Talk Live, and welcome to the live Saturday edition. That means we're here live, as we are all seven nights per week. We'll do it live. The phones are open. If you want to join the show, the number is 603-283-6160. You can bring up absolutely anything you want. Tonight, it's Ian. Beagles Mountaineer. And the Lord Reverend Dr. Captain Kickass. All right, so we're going to go to your phone calls and thoughts. You can bring up anything you want. Coming up here, apparently some senators are taking aim. I don't know what that means. We're going to find out. At El Salvador over their adoption of Bitcoin. Got you in their sights. This, by the way, as the Bitcoiners are down in Miami, apparently, this weekend. All right, it's that weekend, isn't it? Yep. Uh, Mark Warden, I spotted pictures of him. He went down there from Porcupine Real Estate. He's hanging out down there in Miami. Uh, So if you want to weigh in on whatever you want to talk about, you can here. And then, of course, later on tonight at 1030 Eastern Time, there will be Beard Talk Live Mm. online only over at our uh, video streaming platforms like Odyssey at watch.freetalklive.com. But, uh, Captain, you and I had the same story here tonight. We always do our own show prep independently. Oregon, ho And then... uh, Or Idaho, Oregon. Well, they haven't decided yet uh but i think they're just going to stick with idaho if they can make if they can pull this off and that is the Ida greater Pimp. greater idaho movement as it has been called which we've we've covered here <laughs> i've had one of those after eating too many potatoes <laughs> <laughs> which we've covered here uh some number of times it's seems like it's relatively recent but it's gotten a lot of headway and this is the concept also wait a minute wait a minute greater idaho movement yeah as in like they're making idaho bigger or are they making it greater like as in Maybe. more great than great britain for example i guess it could be interpreted that way you know we're uh, not just idaho we're the greater idaho yeah <laughs> it's essentially a not a not entirely secession movement but kind of it's that- a it, it's like a it's like a merger movement. It's a redraw, essentially. Yeah. They want to they want to change the boundaries from where Idaho currently is and move the line west, uh, essentially, and uh, shrink Oregon down. Take over a bunch of eastern Oregon, which more resembles I, when I was on the west coast. Like the coast itself, where the mountains start and then all the way to the ocean, mm-hmm. is like one area. Like culturally, uh, meteorologically, right, weather wise, that kind of thing. And then once you get east of the mountains, it's basically the Midwest until you get to, I don't know, like Pennsylvania or something, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, That whole stretch has like four seasons and all that stuff, whereas everything in the mountains, the the Pacific Northwest, Oregon, uh, you know, like uh, uh, Seattle, Washington area, Tacoma, that kind of stuff, and then Western Oregon as well. Uh, I think they should just like Western Oregon and Eastern Washington should become one state and then as this particular western in western washington western washington western oregon okay you said should, eastern washington. Should, sorry should okay. merge and become one state and then yep. eastern washington and eastern oregon should probably join idaho as yeah. like greater idaho i wouldn't whatever. be surprised if there was a uh, movement to secede eastern washington as well i just haven't heard about like that even one. politically those areas are divided like you wouldn't believe you mm-hmm. you get on the east side of the mountains in either Washington or Oregon, and everybody's a little more righty mm-hmm. right, than, than they are on you know the western side of the mountains. So. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I've heard of a movement to secede from the rest of Washington from uh, from the ones on the uh, the flat side of the mountains because they're like, oh, no, they're, they're California over there. We are yeah. not California over here. 
Yeah, uh, and if that is a movement, I would love to hear what that one's called. But for now, we do know about the Greater Oregon Movement, which again proposes to... Greater Idaho Movement? uh, Sorry, Greater Idaho, which proposes to move uh, the border of Idaho to encompass roughly a dozen or so counties. And apparently they've now hit their 12th county, and that's the news of the day. Uh, These counties have been voting, so that's the thing. This isn't just like... You know, some radical guys yes, talking about... It's not just a proposal. Yeah. It's not a bunch of politicians getting together, or even one not trying just holding to, meetings. Right, yeah. So do you want to share uh, your story, Captain? You have it from the Statesman. Yeah, this is from IdahoStatesman.com. Greater Idaho Movement claims 12th Oregon County to vote in favor of moving the state line. After Tuesday night's special election in Oregon, the long-shot Greater Idaho Movement has claimed victory in 12 eastern Oregon counties, despite results not being finalized as of Wednesday morning. The movement's proposal calls for 14 full counties in eastern Oregon to move to Idaho, as well as the eastern side of a number of other counties in central Oregon. Wallowa County, located in the northeast corner of the state and bordering both Idaho and Washington state, voted on the ballot question requiring county commissioners to discuss the possibility of moving the Idaho-Oregon state line westward. Hmm. As of 1 p.m. Boise time, May 17th, 3,421 people had voted on the measure with 50.3% voting in favor. It's a close one. Of requiring discussions on moving the state border. The county has a population of 7,659, which is about 2% of the people of eastern Oregon, according to the Greater Idaho Movement. Although ballots still need to be counted due to Oregon law allowing mail-in ballots to be received after Election Day if they were mailed on or before the Election Day, the Greater Idaho Movement believes that the vote will swing in its favor. The final election results in favor of Greater Idaho ballot measures have always been one to four percentage points higher than the election night result, Hmm. the movement stated in a news release. That's after they do the mail-ins. Okay. Yeah. So the Greater Idaho Movement feels confident that the measure has won the Wallowa County election. And they they have a little picture here of, you know, how it's going to go down. And, and it looks like most of, I'll call it, uh, uh, eastern Oregon uh, is included. Yeah, they've got a, a map over at greateridaho.org, which is the you know, official site of yeah. this particular movement, that shows all of the counties that have already voted, this being the 12th county, uh, to vote. So there's uh, another one coming up. Crook County is going to vote on this. And so far, it says here the average is 62% in favor. So this county you're talking about, Wallowa, is a little closer than most of the votes have been. And according to the updates that were posted to this article, uh, as of May 18th, according to the clerk, the ballot measure was only ahead by seven votes. So it is literally. Wow. You know, neck and neck as far as this thing. Now, just to be clear, they are only voting that the county commissioners or whatever they were called yeah. there, the selectmen or whatever their the term is, that they talk about it. Yeah, they have a discussion. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's, that's by no means any sort of binding, this is going to happen, but it is at least a vote. And that's a lot more than most secession and at movements can say. 50%, around. you know, people are thinking about it. For sure. Right. right. If you get 50% of even like, I realize not everybody votes, right, as a non-voter, right? Sure. But like in this type of a thing where you're just wanting to have the discussion, it must be on their minds. 
Right? They then, must yeah. have some you know, benefit in their mind about what this is going to do for them. And that's always the first part of these things is just to get people thinking about the idea. Because even if you are someone who would absolutely love the idea, but if you've never thought of it, if it's never been brought up, then it's never going to happen. Yep. Right. You have to uh, believe that it's possible, number one. Yep. And there's a lot of people that don't believe that independence is possible. And so, and part of the reason is because there's been a lot of propaganda uh, over the years about how this is impossible. It can't happen. We decided that in the Civil War. Right. We're going to get murdered if we try this again. And that is what a lot of people are having to deal with. There's also the fear about, well, what about Social Security? And what about the military? And there's a lot of, you know, legitimate questions. What aboutism? Yeah, there's a lot of questions, objections that people have. And anytime you're doing a sales job, right, you have to know how to overcome objections. Yep. You know when you present the product or the idea in this case to potential buyers, there's going to be people who have objections and you got to have the answers to uh, to those objections. So yep. this is all a process. You know, if you can persuade people that your answers are valid, then they're going to think about it. They may not convert on the spot. Yeah. They may have to take the information home with them, ruminate on it. It may take months. It may take years. They may have to talk to more than one person. You may be just the first individual that has a conversation with yeah. them about independence. Well, and I think that's what makes libertarian philosophy or anarchist philosophy uh, easy, for me anyway, is because I didn't really have to learn anything. Right, I just had to go... Oh, there's some logic to this. Okay, well, let me apply it. Apply it yeah. Oh, look, and there's the answer. Huh, weird. <laughs> so, like, I mean, seriously, you don't, like, if you just look into libertarianism philosophy or anarchist philosophy, you know, why the state is evil, right, why it's a horrible idea to organize people using violence and coercion and force, um, you know, the answers are forthcoming. Yeah. You don't have to remember anything. You don't have to become learned in a certain way. Or It's just like, oh, it makes sense. It's logical. Now we just apply it, and now you have all your answers. Yeah, it's not something like uh, Marxist philosophy where you have to learn, oh, well, this is the definition of the bourgeoisie versus the proletariat. No, no, no. The thing about liberty philosophy, it is always categorized by a loss of other ideas. Like, you have these other ideas getting in the way of simple logic. Yeah. Like, when you are a child, you will automatically think in relatively logical ways about physical reality. And then all of these ideas can get in and change that and keep you from thinking in logical ways and indoctrinate you. Yep. Now, when you lose that indoctrination, if, for example, you are fed this idea of the world is this way and that relies on this verifiable fact and you try to verify that fact and it just ain't so. So now you have to sort of remake your world, which is, you know, it, it's a very time and energy intensive process mm -hmm. and it's very risky. But if you have to, then you have to. Now, once you once you have to, your default setting, your childlike knowledge setting of physical reality and logic will start to kick in. And if you go from there, it always leads to liberty. Yeah. And the, the weird thing is uh, sometimes one of the knocks I hear about, you know, libertarians as, as a group is that, uh, you know, they're, they're totally nerdy and, and they come off as, as know-it-alls. And like, well, that's not true, right? Like, people might take it that way, but what libertarians are mostly is correct, right? <laughs> Factually correct. Like, mm. I'm not even kidding. I'm like, not a know-it-all. I'm correct. <laughs> well, they're, they're technically correct, 
which is the best kind of correct, mm. right? To be technically correct. I don't know, man. Libertarians are wrong about a lot of stuff. I yes, mean, just absolutely. Look at them right, now. right now, there's a bunch of libertarians but, who should know better who are completely falling for a bunch of politicians. But and compared, it's gross. compared to Republicans mm-hmm. and Democrats, right? If you look at you know what libertarians are saying, hey, like in general, there are issues, yeah. of course, where everybody has their differences and stuff. But when they stick to speaking, principles, when they stick to principles like the non-aggression principle, mm. uh, they come out technically correct, and so and that's what sort of annoys the rest of the world sure. about libertarians is that okay, here's a bunch of high IQ people who might not be the most socially functioning uh, human beings on planet Earth, but. They've done the thinking. I want to go to the phones here. I will come back to the story. In fact, I'm curious if your story from the statesman actually interviews anybody from the greater Idaho movement and if they have anything to say about this because the you know the numbers are interesting. But what are the reasons for this? I've got some here as well. Uh, but let's go to somebody that is a big fan of independence. Uh, he's Dave Ridley on the line here tonight. Now, Dave, Ridley. you were you were on hold at the beginning of the show, so you didn't know we were going to talk about this topic. I don't know why you were calling in, but what's on your mind tonight? Uh, well, that's great about Idaho. Uh, but, we, you know, I, I wasn't going to talk about that. But, you know, it's interesting. We actually sort of have a greater New Hampshire movement also. If you remember in 2003, uh, county, or no, a town in Vermont tried to secede to New Hampshire. Yeah, Killington, Vermont. I don't know if I would call that a movement in that I haven't heard anything about it since 2003. So if, you, if you've if you gone 20 years without making any headlines, yeah. I don't know if you can really call that a movement. But it was an interesting story because, if I recall correctly, Killington is landlocked. It is not a border town with New Hampshire. So the idea hmm. that it was a, it's a ski town, and they're sick and tired of all the Vermont taxes or regulations or whatever, and the ski town said, you know what, we'd like to vote uh, to uh, to move to you know become New Hampshire like this little island of New Hampshire in the middle of Vermont which would have been amazing if it right. happened mm. and I don't remember I don't think it ever went to a vote I think it was just you know something people talked about but it did make headlines though yeah it went pretty far in their governmental system I don't remember uh, I, the New Hampshire government got involved uh, I think the governor of New Hampshire uh, supported it uh, mm. in some form of fashion. But anyway, yeah, I suspect uh, the I was, government of Vermont did not support it. <laughs> that was the end of it. That's right. But guess what? No one shot anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were not 750,000 people killed or anything. Like you, can, you can have an independence drive, <laughs> and, and everybody right. still gets along afterwards. But, um, uh, but I was talking, I was talking about something, going to talk about something else. Go ahead. The, um, I, I, over the years, I've had this, you know, this kind of passion for, and I haven't really done enough with it, but I have this passion for, you know, we really need to have, we need to have somebody speak at Forkfest or at Liberty Forum who really, like, everybody does a double take. You know, uh, our, uh, all the eyebrows go up and the, the government can't stand it and the, the, authority, the authoritarians are freaking out that we're having this person speaking. Um, so, you know, I, 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 originally I thought, well, we need a president of Estonia, like a country that is defeated or something like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, we're getting closer. Uh, we we have uh, they they have achieved for the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Apparently, a member, a key member of the Kennedy clan, is now on board with the Free State Project to some extent. Well, I mean, this is the thing I was referring to earlier. There's a bunch of libertarians out there that are getting all excited about these politicians. You mean Republicans? 
No, not even Republicans. <laughs> uh, this guy's a Democrat in this particular case. But there are some that are I'm, getting excited I'm about saying Republicans. These, these libertarians are acting like Republicans and getting excited about this candidate. Now, how are they acting like Republicans if they're excited about a Democrat? Republicans candidate? probably wouldn't be excited about about RFK. He's well, a Democrat, but, but because he supports the small, limited government. No, no, he doesn't. No? That's the thing. I, that's what's going on here. Is these libertarians who should know better than to be. Uh, you know, under the spell yeah. of a politician who shouldn't libertarians know better than the average person that politicians are lying scum and you cannot believe a word that they say. One would hope so. Right. No, but apparently not. Yeah. All they How have dare to do- these libertarians sacrifice their principles in order to not get blown up by a nuclear weapon? All, How dare they? All they have to do is... These politicians just sing a little song that sounds a little bit libertarian on one issue, and these libertarians just start getting all hot and bothered. Oh, my God. If that issue is avoiding nuclear war with Russia, then maybe it's worth it, Ian. Oh, is that what his issue is? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, because he's disarming people at Porkfest who want to come see him speak. Okay. So stop telling me that the guy is he's a not, libertarian. Okay, that, that's, that's, right? that is not what he's, that's not what he's doing. He's not allowing them to be armed at his event. Okay. At Porkfest. He's disarming he's not, anyone he's not that saying wants to you come can't be speak. armed at Porkfest, which right. is what you're I didn't you're say impl- he said that. You I said, said he's disarming, disarming anyone at Porkfest. at Porkfest who wants to, to hear him speak. That is what I said. While they're at his event. Who wants to hear him speak, right? If you want to hear him speak, you got to go to his event, right? So, yeah, if you want to go in there, security agents agents are going to disarm you in order to to do that. But yet there's somebody online uh, just uh, within the last 24 hours who was, was saying, oh, my God, he said that, wow, he said he'd consider... A pardon for Ross Ulbricht. Oh, wow. That's so exciting. Else. Yeah, people get these political boners for these guys every I now and again. I just don't understand I, it. It's it's horrible. I mean, Donald Trump's against the war, too. I mean, am I supposed to get all hot and bothered about him running for president, too? I mean, these people aren't libertarians. Oh, RFK, he posted a link to a Lou Rockwell article. He must be a libertarian. He has no. three letters in his name. He's a guy who is pandering to you. Of course. Okay, but he's pandering to us about not having a nuclear war with Russia. And literally no one on the Democratic side of things is even talking about that as a possibility. What about it, uh, Ridley? Yeah, uh, having people pander to you is not a war crime. (laughs) I don't think we we need to be particularly upset with with, – with the fact that – we should be rejoicing over the fact that these politicians who are not – that libertarian are are trying to woo us that's and the more that goes on the more it indicates that we're successful i get what you're saying about that but i wouldn't rejoice over it these people are not of value in any way shape or form they are dishonest by trade you cannot believe a word that they say uh, just because he says he's against is, this war doesn't mean he's against all wars. I don't and, care, Ian. And is this he is a, introducing this into the conversation nationally, which is something that we cannot do in any other way. Is is he? Yeah, you know, and that makes him. That's his second. That's his second big base hit. You know, in the sense that, like, I was uh, like, I, I was listening to a podcast about two two years ago that he was he was debating Alan Dershowitz, the lawyer, the authoritarian lawyer about the vaccine rights and stuff like that. And Kennedy took the libertarian position. He said he was a libertarian, 
and he wiped the floor with that authoritarian lawyer. Is, so that's what got, okay, so that's Obama what got, was also very good at debate and winning people over and speaking yeah. in terms that may or may not have resonated with certain people. Uh, my question is, is this RFK presentation uh, going to be a unidirectional thing where he gets up and gives a speech using things like teleprompters? Or is he going to engage in debate with, oh, I don't know, say a libertarian, for example? Is he going to engage the crowd? Is he going to answer libertarian questions? Is he going to respect everybody's rights to bear arms while listening to him and engaging in this? Well, that's going to create an interesting situation. You know, there's going to be people protesting against him. There's probably going to be people who uh, try to violate the rule or people who try to, you know, they, they, they all walk in with their guns and make the security disarm them. There's all kinds of interesting things that are going to happen. There's nothing wrong with the free state movement being interesting. Yeah. No, I mean, there's uh, if that's what people want to do, then that's that's fine. Just stop telling me he's a libertarian. I mean, I'm glad that he's anti-war, apparently. And that, and, that I to, think, and that I think is absolutely fair. I'm not trying to tell you that he's libertarian. No, I'm, you haven't said I that. I am trying to tell but you there that are it is a good that. thing that we have this person who is going to at least introduce to the democratic side of the nation the possibility of not going to war with Russia. I yeah. mean, Democrats right. have been anti-war whenever... They're not Baby in power. Steps. so Baby steps, let's, let's keep reeling them in, just like with Tulsi Gabbard. You know, she's baby steps getting closer to the libertarian position and stuff no, like that. No, she's not. Tulsi Gabbard. Well, yeah, she, she changed her position on firearms. She's too, uh, yeah, so she, she can pander is... to the right-wingers mm. who she wants to give her money so she can run under their uh, well, okay, banner. Well, yeah, she just, yeah, Tulsi Gabbard is well, absolutely I don't, I don't, useless. Like, her only not, useful feature was that she was on the left and therefore listened to by people who care about Democrats. Now she's not even there. And as a Republican, she's terrible. Well, it could be a lot worse. And again, it's like you said, baby steps. Well, there's never going to be any baby steps that do anything at the federal government level. I mean, we all understand that people like this, RFK, have no chance of winning an election. I'm not saying don't That's vote for him. That's not true, actually. I'm not, saying don't, I'm not saying don't vote for him, okay? If you are a registered Democrat or you're in a place where you can pull a Democrat ballot and you get the chance to vote for him instead of Joe Biden, go ahead, pull the, pull the ballot. I don't think there's any harm in doing that, but the odds that he's going to uh, defeat Biden when Biden literally has the entirety of the Democratic National Committee backing him are very, for very Trump. slim. The entire Republican National Convention was uh, was backing Jeb Bush. Look how that worked out. Thank you, Dave, for the call tonight. I appreciate it. The number here is 603-283-6160. But the fact is, it doesn't matter who you put into Washington, D.C. You're not going to ever baby step that towards more freedom. It just has to crash and burn. More coming up. Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. In addition to being one of the world's first cryptocurrencies, Dash was the first crypto project to have a decentralized autonomous organization that to this day continues to improve and promote Dash. Every month, 10% of the mining rewards go into a treasury. Anyone with one Dash to spend can put forward a proposal to the Dash masternodes to vote on. The masternodes vet the proposals and decide which ones move forward and are funded by the Treasury. In fact, that's exactly how we got this sponsorship. Nowadays, DAOs are plentiful, but Dash paved the way by doing it first, nearly a decade ago. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. 
Thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org. It is Free Talk Live. You can join the show. You can bring up anything you want here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Joining you in the studio tonight, it's Ian. Beagles Mountaineer. And the captain. If you've been thinking about, if you're a liberty-minded person, that is, making the migration here to New Hampshire, as have done thousands of like-minded folks in the last couple decades, been starting to really uh, pick up in the last couple of years more people moving than yep. ever before uh, if you're thinking about making that move then you got to know where to land and what to do when you get here and the folks over at uh, porcupine real estate they've been putting together a series of webinars on these very topics reasons to make the move to new hampshire uh, what it's like when you're here, finding some of the, the housing, uh, best practices for moving to the free state. The topics include gun freedom, medical freedom, political freedom victories, some of the amazing success stories that maybe you haven't heard about. Uh, I mean, we talk about some things that happen here on yeah. Free Talk Club, but by no means can we cover it all. And I, they can't either, even in one webinar. Uh, so go and sign up for these. They're over at move.freetalklive.com. That'll take you right over to the Porcupine Real Estate website. The sign-up page is there. It's free to sign up, free to attend these webinars. And uh, you'll get the info, the inside scoop from the people that are on the ground here in New Hampshire. Most of the people at Porcupine Real Estate are free staters themselves. Yeah. They're people who have moved here. They know the lay of the land. They know the community. And they'll take your questions. Uh, you go to move.freetalklive.com and get signed up there. Also, if you want to see what they've already done, just visit their YouTube channel, which is called Porcupine Real Estate. And you can see past presentations there. But more importantly, sign up for the ones that are coming up at move.freetalklive.com and start planning your move to New Hampshire. Uh, you wanted to talk about something about the left and uh, anti-war. Yeah, uh, so Captain had brought up like, oh, well, the, the Democrats become anti-war when they're not in power. And it's like, well, wait a second. When Trump was in power, they didn't start becoming anti-war. They it's were true. super anti-Trump, but they were nowhere near anti-war. I miss no, the anti-war they were, they were proposed. Or they the were, ones that I knew were all like, you know, well, that's fine. What was fine? Like war. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. during Trump, Trump point, I think yeah. your point is during Trump, when Trump was actually doing things like withdrawing troops from Afghanistan, the left was mad about it. Mm-hmm. They wanted to stay in Afghanistan. Right. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. And, and frankly, the, uh, whereas I, I, I don't mean to interrupt, I just yeah. want the listeners to have like the full scope of my thought here. It's that yeah, I lived amongst the, the lefts out there on the left coast. And right. so uh, what I saw was like, I always sort of had this low level respect for like the hippie types and folks who come, you know, from from that sort of a culture where it's, you know, it's a little more free. Right. Hippies tend to be freedom oriented. Right. Uh, and they were always anti-war. And then like as they grew up and like got jobs and, you know, went out into the world and made something out of themselves or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, like somehow it got all demented and warped and they were no longer fundamentally uh, against war. So it seemed. Uh, and it seems to change, at least according to my experience, of whenever they're not in power. And, and that's to say that if a Republican holds the presidency, then the Democrats suddenly aren't as anti-war as they were before. Well, that 
that has been the case a lot of the time, but I, I think that what happened was Obama did the most drone striking of any president, mm. was, I, I mean, as much of he a made war a hawk as joke. W. Bush by any metric. He made a freaking joke at his fundraiser about his daughter dating, and uh, so I sat down with the young man, I had two words for him. I said, predator drone. So he threatened like a 13-year-old kid with a Predator drone. Now Mm -hmm. he says, oh, it was Uh, a joke. uh, 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 Yeah. And like, okay, maybe it was. But still, you're the president of the largest empire planet Earth has ever seen. And you Mm -hmm. think it's okay to make Mm -hmm. a joke about drone striking your daughter's first boyfriend? Mm -hmm. Wow. And and the fact that this is the first black president means that he can do no wrong. And since Mm -hmm. one of the big feathers in his cap is getting bin Laden. So, okay, well, that is our guy. That is who we define our tribe by. So, okay, I guess we're war tribe now. Yeah. And and since the left has become such a warlike tribe, that can no longer be a way of identifying yourself on the right. Yeah. So the Republicans have like pulled back from being so war oriented and such war hawks for the moment. For yeah. the moment. Yeah. Well, and and ten uh, ish years ago, maybe more, when I started sort of looking at you know, investigating where I am politically in relation to everybody else, and discovering, well, I'm I'm nowhere. That's why I'm an anarchist. Uh, but like I discovered that the Republicans and the Democrats used to have opposite stances than they do today. So mm. over the course of time, you know, if you had a set of principles or a set of beliefs mm-hmm. and you lived through this time, you would have, you know, gone through this sort of flippening of political alignments. That doesn't happen with libertarianism because libertarianism is logic based. It's right. it's fil- its philosophy is principle based. And when you have principles, you don't have this flip flopping of ideals and stuff like that. Yeah. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. The only thing that changes with libertarianism is which part of liberty we focus on. Right. So like uh, I'm very much of the opinion that uh, that the the open borders in the sense of like you can you know pass these imaginary lines if someone wants you somewhere and all of that. Like if if someone wants you working here, you have every right to get there. I agree. However, I think that is a a crown jewel that we can only achieve after we get rid of a whole lot of parts of state. Now, some people believe that you should focus on that immediately. And and there's an argument there. And some people are like, no, that's just completely unrealistic. Okay, well, their focus is obviously on something else. So we can argue about which part of liberty to focus on now. And, you know, some people are like, okay, well, now is time to focus on uh, drug deregulation and uh, on legalization of that. And for me, like, I think that it, at this moment in time, the focus has to be on the the military industrial complex is getting us way yeah. too close to obliteration through nuclear war. I think that, uh, and respectfully, I you have a point, uh, but I think if human beings around the world could just focus on money for a minute, mm. uh, I think that, first of all, a lot more people are going to be willing to talk about that sort of openly and frankly because there's no fear right you're you're yeah. not afraid of money being dropped on you right, <laughs> right? you're afraid <laughs> of a big nuke right yeah so uh, i think if people can vo- focus on money and this is just my opinion of course i think that for me is the hot topic because money should not be controlled by governments and as soon as right. it's not you get your freedom back yeah and for mm. me that is that is the number 2 
Because the way I see it, because we have this new monetary technology that is just so ridiculously superior to everything that exists in the yeah. world, I think that if you You're just... About cryptocurrency. Yes, I'm talking about cryptocurrency. Uh, I think that if you just give humanity a little bit of time, we are going to move our entire system over to this superior technology. Yeah, it's like... But I, it, it can't happen if you blow up half the world with your nukes. Mm-hmm. I equate uh, the cryptocurrency people who are into it and like developing it and and then there's a whole bunch of like users who are surrounded by it and a lot of them happen to be like freedom types libertarians anarchists that kind of thing um i think that it's great but i i was having this analogy the other day and what it reminds me of is before everybody moved from myspace to facebook mm-hmm. right like myspace was the king right mm-hmm. it was the thing that you had and then there's this little thing over here it was like sort of a new classmates website, and there was only a few people who sort of trickled into it, and they discovered and you know helped build it into something that became a thing that everybody just en masse moved to, right? right. I feel like that can happen with cryptocurrency. Right. There's mm. been you know it's been a decade of all this development, right? Uh, you know the it's unhackable, it's secure, it's fast. You know all of the things. Uh, not to mention all the things that it can do that we haven't even touched on, right? It's, mm-hmm. you know, the tip of the iceberg as far as benefits to humanity have been mm-hmm. exposed. And so I think that there's going to come a time when everybody just goes, yeah, okay, let's move over here. Yeah, and we, hopefully it'll be en masse, like the mass migration from MySpace to Facebook. Yeah, I mean, we we are in the 1991 of the internet. Like, we have this level of protocol figured out. Now, there's going to be uh, an integration of that protocol into a higher level of protocol before we even think about making it uh, something that is easy for the ordinary user to access. Yeah. But that is being built as we speak. Yeah. And once that gets built on it, okay, well, then suddenly we're at the 1999 of the internet. Oh, and then suddenly we're at the 2001 of the internet. Right. And and it revolutionizes absolutely everything in human events. And if we were not on the edge of nuclear annihilation, I would be I would be right there with you that we need to focus on money because once we fix the money, then we can get rid of the nu- the, the military industrial complex in the first place. But as long as we're on this edge where these psychopaths are threatening all of human existence, I think that that has to take priority. Yeah, I mean, I get I get what you're saying. And I think if you want to support a candidate, even though you only agree with them on one or two issues in a, in a primary for the Democratic side or for the Republican side, I mean, arguably, probably of all the Republicans, probably Donald I, Trump is the most yeah. uh, peace-oriented candidate and the difference is he actually did hold office so with him it's the devil you know because you know what you got four years ago versus desantis who was a you know from all evidence a psychopathic uh police state neocon Mm -hmm. who actually uh apparently ordered people to be force-fed at guantanamo bay and then stood watched and laughed uh as people had uh tubes shoved down their throats and food forced into their bodies I mean, so I mean, then then you get this Here's, Vivek guy that wants to actually go and drop bombs in Mexico and literally go to a hot war with the Mexican drug cartels. So, I mean, the Republicans by no means are done with warmongering. It's just right. they're moving the theater of war from uh, Afghanistan and uh, Ukraine or whatever to Mexico, which is like you know just a different version of insane. Well, here's the thing: uh, government is not. A whole bunch of things. It's not a charity. It's not a human rights organization. It's not 
uh, all the fun things that people think it is. It is, in fact, a war machine. Mm -hmm. It is a war machine. And now, just because somebody says some really nice things doesn't mean when they get control of the war machine that they're going to be more peaceful. In fact, I would argue the opposite of that. Some of the most well-spoken and most peaceful-sounding candidates that ever ran for president got into the chair and dropped the most bombs and uh, killed the most people. Obama, didn't he promise to close Guantanamo Bay? Wasn't yeah. that one oh, of the reasons? You can keep he, your regular yeah. provider. And which is why George I just Bush said no new taxes. Bush won, that is. Right, which is why it's hard to take any of these people seriously when they say say oh yeah i'm, I'm anti-war yeah. i want to shut this down RFK the military guy, I, I don't know anything about him and i don't care to know anything about him what i i know what i need to know he wants control of the war machine so screw him now and to his credit he does i mean uh, it's not just peakless mountaineer who's saying this i did go to his website he's got a he's got a whole article there about uh you know withdrawing from military bases yeah. obama like was that. really well spoken and well written too yeah no that's why that's why i'm saying people shouldn't shouldn't just fall under these people's spell you should be critical uh, of these guys and i think it's a, i think it's disappointing and i've said this online but and it hasn't gotten much discussion i don't think on the show that the preeminent liberty event of the year the porcupine freedom festival is going to be featuring these lying politicians on their main stage i think it's a real unfortunate now, decision if we were all there that. like chucking tomatoes tarring and feathering you know that might be enjoyable yeah then they just make a big mess and <laughs> Uh, they just don't belong there. I, I get, I get why they want to do it. They want to pander, right? Like the politicians certainly want to pander, and the the libertarians who are organizing these speeches, they want to curry favor with these people. And I just don't understand why they think that's going to help them. In the same way that there was like fifty state reps here in New Hampshire who endorsed DeSantis this week. Including like a Ugh. dozen free staters who should mm. know better than to get behind a snake like that That's and put their true. good names behind somebody who is pure evil like this guy. And it's just it's so disappointing to see people playing the political game and losing their principles and their soul. I mean, to to these people live free. Don't join. Uh, well, let's get back into the independence movement here, Captain. I was asking you earlier if your story from the Idaho statesman it does not doesn't uh, have any comments mention anything from uh, they, they didn't like interview anybody yeah. specifically. Well, I got one here from the AFP that was reporting a little earlier this yeah, week. Hear. On the secession movement there in Oregon, again, for those just tuning in, we're talking about what's called Greater Idaho, the idea being that... Why didn't counties- they go further? Why didn't they call it Greatest Idaho? Maybe that's coming later. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, you can't skip over Greater before We might have greatest. an even Greater Idaho. <laughs> so, uh, according to the story here at uh, Yahoo News and the AFP, they interviewed a 64-year-old retiree, seven or was this, Debbie Price, and she is from Eastern Oregon. She is part of the local movement that wants to redraw the region's map so they can secede to join the more conservative uh, neighboring state of Idaho. She said, there's a lot more freedom in Idaho than there is here, said the legal assistant who traveled across the state border to remarry during the pandemic at a time when weddings were banned in Oregon. Among her list of grievances with Oregon are impending restrictions on carrying firearms. It's decriminalization of the use of drugs... I thought she wanted more freedom. Well, anyway, uh, it's pro-choice stance on abortion and its support for LGBTQ rights. So once again, these are right-wingers. These are Republican types who they have a certain vision of what freedom means. 
And certainly I agree with them on guns, right? Like mm-hmm. you absolutely should have a right to defend yourself. But if you believe in the freedom to possess the thing known as a gun, why don't you also believe in the freedom to possess a thing known as a drug? I mean, this is, seems like a basic concept that just completely goes over the head yeah. of these uh, Republican types. We can't let them have drugs. Price blames all these on the woke agenda, as she says, radiating out from Portland, the progressive metropolis in the northwestern state's coast. She said, maybe I'm old fashioned. I want things to stay like they are, she said, who is a devout Christian and touted Idaho's ban on abortion. She says, I'm not anxious to move forward and try and be what the world is going towards these days. So that's a little bit of an opinion here. Those are the people we're talking about. Those are the people that live on the eastern side of Oregon. And there's a strong argument that they just don't belong in the progressive styled Oregon, right? Like in, and in the if you go to yeah. the Greater Oregon yeah. or sorry, Greater Idaho website, they explain that the reason why the people on the left would support Greater Idaho is cuz why wouldn't the people on the left want to get these people out of their hair? Right. right. Yeah. Right. So like as far as when you want to redraw state boundaries, you got to get both sides to agree. Right. So mm-hmm. Oregon state yep. government has to agree. Idaho state government has to agree. But everybody wins from this particular proposal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All of the state uh, changes that you would like to make as a lefty, they will no longer slow you down at all. You go full speed ahead into socialism. Right. You can go hard progressive and be effective at it and you won't have all these fuddy duddies on the other side of the mountain. And then eventually when the fuddy duddies on the other side of the mountain, uh, you know, remain alive because everybody on the left side of the mountain dies of communism, uh, then they can just take back over the left side. The left side. (laughs) Signs demanding to, quote, move Oregon's border, sit alongside Trump 2024 placards in the vast rolling plains of the small corner of America, which has less than one person per square mile. And and I get your your frustration with having something like uh, making drugs illegal put under the banner of liberty, of freedom. That's Mm -hmm. nonsense. Or, Or to have these candidates called libertarians when they're not. Which is why it's frustrating to see libertarians currying favor with the with the right i mean during the whole covid thing there was a lot of working together with people on the some of the people on the right who were correct on the issue of you know civil disobedience against mandates and things Mm -hmm. like that they were absolutely right about that but those of us who understand the people on the right we know that they're still not truly our allies. They're right. not actually people who believe in freedom. They just want freedom for themselves to live how they want to live. If you're trans, oh, they don't give a yeah. damn. That, that's about all you. politics is, whether you're on the left or on the right. It's just your desire to control other people, which yep. you have no right to. And this is why politics is horrible. This is why it's insane. This is why it's filled with violence. And this is why it's filled with liars and cheaters and thieves. And all the bad things you can think that people ever do become institutionalized in this organization of violence and coercion. Yeah, and people need to realize that there's a difference between being libertarian and having a libertarian stance. So Mm -hmm. if you are a libertarian, then you want people to be allowed to determine how they defend themselves and what substances to put in their body. 
and not murder people around the world. So you can ally yourself with one side for this issue and one side for for that issue. You can find no allies when it comes to war, Mm -hmm. but realize that the left is not libertarian. They just have a libertarian stance. The right is not libertarian. They have a libertarian stance on the gun issue, and no one is libertarian when it comes to not wasting your money to murder people who do not need to be murdered. Which is the majority of what the state does yeah some complain they can't kill wolves threatening their livestock as easily as their neighboring ranchers in idaho um, because of gun restrictions others Uh, no no that one's a a different one in uh, idaho they they did a major push to uh, make it completely legal to kill wolves like any old time basically Yeah. yeah yeah Others blame the decline of the vital local timber industry and the state's strict logging limits, which is for, have forced many mills to close. Many are afraid Oregon could follow California in phasing out diesel and even gasoline-powered cars in favor of electric vehicles. 41-year-old logger Garrett Mahan said, The diesel ban's a horrible idea, and I think it would destroy our economy. Uh, on a, a remote piece of land that has belonged to his family for a century, he stacks giant tree trunks with an industrial machine that, quote, you would never be able to run on a battery, he <laughs> says. And he's right. They did that in California. They yeah. actually passed a law, I think it was this last year, that uh, f- after a certain date, I don't know if it's 2026 or whenever it is, you will no longer be able to purchase brand new gasoline powered devices like you know a leaf blower or a generator or a lawnmower it's all going to be electric mandated we've been talking about migrations and one migration that i hear about frequently or at least did was the migration of californians to places like texas Mm -hmm. for example one of the least talked about migrations is the mass exodus of californians all the way up the west coast Right, Northern mm-hmm. California, Oregon, Western Oregon, and Western Washington. Uh, in the 22 years that I lived in the Seattle area, I saw the Seattle area go from uh, more of a melting pot into more of a leftist hellhole. Mm-hmm. Right, because uh, like one of the things I loved about the, the we'll call it the mid 90s Seattle was that it was very diverse. There were not. Uh, sections of, of there there wasn't segregation like there is in like chicago and new york and and that kind of thing you didn't go to there wasn't like a quote bad side of town unquote that was just called tacoma it's the town to the south of them <laughs> uh but like it was far more of a melting pot. but over the course of time it became more and more uh lefty that's the only word i can use to describe it really uh more and more communist and it was disheartening for me to see and like the more that went on the more of like a like a sore thumb, I sort of, you know, I'm, I stood out. I mean, I yeah. kind of stand out. I look like this. So, you know, I'm, I'm a recognizable dude. Yeah. But, like, more and more, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm surrounded by fascists. Yeah. yeah well, honestly, what this looks like is cancer. So in cancer, you develop a tumor, and that tumor develops its own little ecosystem, and then it reaches a certain point where it, uh, it's called metastasis, yep. where it spreads itself into all of these other parts of the body. And that's exactly what happened with California. So you had this communist regime. Cancerfornia? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. You had this communist regime uh, create an unlivable scenario for human life. And now all of these people have to flee California. The fact is, though, you can take the Californian out of California. Mm. You cannot take the communism out of the Californian. So they're taking these wretched policies yep. and 
Colorado is one of the states that they have absolutely ruined because of this. And I mean, they are still fighting somewhat because it's mostly like the cities of, of you know, Denver, especially uh, uh, Boulder, like the Fort Collins, like the cities are definitely where they where the strongholds of this are. But they've basically taken over my uh, the state where I was born mm. and I had to leave. Mm-hmm. I'm just really glad that there was a place here that is not Texas. It's not Florida. It's not Idaho. It's not a, a Republican conservative place. It's not a, a communist lefty Oregon kind of place. No, it's libertarian. I'm glad that the people are here, right? These people that are here, the the people who have migrated here for freedom, they're why I'm here. I'm not here because yeah. New Hampshire, the plot of land is so awesome, right? right? I'm here because of the people. For sure. And that's why we need more of those people here. Uh, we need thousands more. This movement, uh, this migration of libertarians, voluntarists, liberty-loving anarchists, has been going on for about two decades now. Yep. And it has had more success, both politically and outside of the system and community, uh, than any other libertarian project on the planet, in the history of the Liberty Movement. It can only get better the more people we get here. If you want to comment on Greater Idaho or whatever's on your mind, you can join us. Free Talk Live. On Free Talk Live, we're bringing people to the ideas of liberty every day. From wrestling superstars like Glenn Jacobs. You guys really are having an impact, I believe. Like I said, uh, a lot of where I am now is due to listening to Free Talk Live. You changed my mind on some very important issues years ago. To random people tuning in on the radio. I was kind of stuck in the left-right paradigm. I heard your show by chance on a Saturday night. From there, I went on, joined the Free State Project, and become an amplifier. So, I mean, that's really the reason why I amp is uh, because I know that if it wasn't for you guys being on as many stations as you are, I never would have found the ideas of liberty. You can help more people hear the message of liberty by joining Free Talk Live's AMPS program on Patreon for as little as $5 a month. And you'll get access to special perks. Visit amps.freetalklive.com, amps.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. Second hour here of this live Saturday episode. The phones are open if you want to join us. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. We have been talking about the Greater Idaho Movement, a movement of people in eastern Oregon that would like to no longer be part of Oregon. Can we just call it the more mediocre Idaho movement? (laughs) Having never been there, I can't really make a call on what part of it would be more mediocre. But the people in Oregon are about sick and tired, uh, at least the eastern Oregon folks, sick and tired of being uh, part of that political designation. And they'd rather be with a more conservative, in their minds, uh, political designation. Personally, I don't want to be in either place. I they don't can rename in... it Conservaho. They might. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what they're going to do over there. But right, what, right no, now, we... what they have to do first is get out of Oregon. And the thing is, they don't want to physically move. You know, they've got farms and they've got families and they've you know people are dug in where they are. They got businesses, and even though they could just hop across the border and have a better lifestyle or whatever, more conservative life in in Idaho, they'd rather rally the troops, vote, as uh, apparently 12 counties have now done in eastern Oregon to 
not leave per se, but ask their county delegates or whatever they're called to have a discussion about what it would take to say goodbye to Oregon politically and join Idaho. If you want to comment on that, you're welcome to join us. Major Payne is on the line. You can also bring up anything you want. But uh, uh, Major Payne, you're on Free Talk Live, calling from Michigan. Michigan, go ahead. Yeah, if these guys get this any kind of close to fruition, the Democratic Party is going to fight it tooth and nail. Why? Just, just I said the Democratic Party will fight this. I heard thing. what you no, said. Why? why would they do that? Because of Libertarian. They control all the populace along the coast. Therefore, they control the whole state. They don't want to lose the electoral college votes. That and the tax basis for the states, too, is going to come into play with all this. So oh, you're saying the not, National Party will fight it because they'll... Wrong with this. Sorry, God? Um, no, no, I got another political hop and right, well, Hold on, hold on. Right. You're sa- oh, so you're saying the National Party will fight this because they don't want to lose the electoral college votes, even, though the, even though the state uh, Democrats will probably be all in favor of it. That's kind of what I'm thinking, but well, I don't, would think, they, the I don't so, think the Democrats in the state are going to be all in favor of it either because they don't want to lose the tax revenue. That, that's mm. what I'm saying. Like, you have to have people to steal tax money from. Mm. And so if the people who want to steal most or tax money the most, the left, uh, you know, sort of don't have a whole bunch of people to steal from, mm. where are they going to get their money? That is a problem. You'd rather steal from than the people you don't even like on the other side of the mountain. True, and you could argue that a lot of the people on the right maybe are more likely to have their own businesses, maybe a little more productive. Oh, the right's just the same, except on the other side. They they would also like to control... Uh, everybody and they have would, everybody but they know they can't. Preference. They know they can't win in Oregon. They are outnumbered, yeah. outvoted by the people on the left. So I mean, there, there is an yeah. argument to say that some people on the left would want to keep uh, their their you know sucking the blood or the mm. uh, the energy, yeah. the money out of the people who are on the right, and they wouldn't want them to go away because yeah. then they wouldn't be able to live off of them. But right. on the other hand. You know, it is an annoyance to have to fight constantly over the things that you want to pass at the state level. And if the Republicans are gone from the state house, largely, then it will be completely Democrat controlled. There's no chance the Republicans would stand in the way or stop a vote on something, and they'd be able to move it forward. I don't know. I yeah. think it's. I think it's interesting. Yeah, they're they're similar but uh, distinct motivations here, right? So the the left wants to hold on to the people on the right because that's who they're getting their money from. Mm-hmm. Right. And the right wants to hold on to the people on the left because that's who they want to order around. Right. Like, uh, sure. you know, you'd have people calling in like, no, this is our country and I don't want, I want to be able to tell them what to do. Like, sure. everyone's like, no, this is ours. We need to take it back. And what they really mean is, I want to be able to tell these people to stop doing these things that they want to do. Yep. Whether it be gay, get gay, gay married mm-hmm. or smoke marijuana. Exactly. Or whatever that happens. That's exactly it. So even though, you know, they're the ones who have the money, they have this desire to tell these people in the cities mostly what to do with their lives. Not to get gay married, not to do all these drugs, and we will kidnap you if you do. And uh, and and on yeah. the other hand, the people on the people who are running the cities, they realize that they don't have any productivity there. The fundamental lesson here for those people listening or maybe new to this show is that humankind needs to get over the desire to tell other humans what to do. You don't get that right. 
Well, I mean, to and, the, to, and to steal their stuff. Yeah, yeah. They, obviously, these are people who haven't per se gotten over that, but at least the people in the greater Idaho movement have gotten over the idea that they can, you know, they're, they're not going to be able to do it in Oregon. At least that they right. they've given up. They say, you know what, it would make more sense if we could just live somewhere around more people that are like us. Wait, if Idaho gets greater, does that mean we get more and better potatoes? <laughs> Perhaps. Uh, what else, Major? Well, evidently there's a congresswoman down from Georgia, and she started uh, impeachment proceedings against Biden. Or, yep, Biden. Mm, for sure, that'll go nowhere. For what? Um, his handling of the Mexican border debacle. Yeah, impeachment. What's that even what mean? Was, I mean, he, what was his handling? He's of the done Mexican the exact same thing that Trump did. This was just a quick news blip I heard. It it's just a conservative head. talking point. I mean, yeah. that's. I'm sure you're talking about Marjorie Taylor Greene. She's the Georgia yeah. uh, rep that everybody that talks about. Right, yeah. yeah, I mean, she's just an. <laughs> she's an ultra right Trump uh, supporting person. Who, yeah, it's just political circuses. That's all it is. I mean, Biden has been cracking down on immigration just like Trump did. Mm-hmm. Okay, they, they continue to separate children from families. They continue to send peaceful people back into uh, to Mexico who could help us here by working hard, bringing prices down, by working hard and all that. Uh, and and there's, no, there's been no change that, uh, that Joe Biden has brought into play. And I think the first president I remember, like as a small child, was Carter. And, like, I knew nothing about politics and was too young to even, like, comprehend what was going on. And uh, Reagan was, was next. Mm. And I think, including Reagan, I think impeachment was mentioned for every president during my life at some point. Somebody was like, oh, we're going to try and impeach him for that and impeach for that and impeach him. And so, like, it's a completely, it's like crying wolf. Well, I guess Major is saying she's filed some papers or whatever. So, I mean, maybe that's yeah. because... The Congress is Republican now. Well, so. they are bureaucrats, Ian. They must mm-hmm. have forms just laying around. Well, And I honestly well, look- don't care. What I would care about, even knowing that it wouldn't go anywhere, if she filed for, say, you're a war criminal who is violating the Geneva Convention presently, mm-hmm. that would be interesting. But, but no. of course, she can't do that no. because that might tie the hands of Republican candidates from being war criminals. Thank you, Major, for the call tonight. Appreciate it. Let's talk to the situation. He is actually calling from Oregon. And uh, I know you were calling a, a, about immigration tonight, the situation, but I did ask you off the air if you've been aware of this whole uh, greater Idaho movement. You live in Western Oregon, so it may not be something that is too concerning to you, but has there been any buzz at all, you know, amongst friends or coworkers? Are people talking about this that you've heard? Well, first of all, uh, I want to give out a shout out to my buddy, uh, uh, Ricky from the Commonwealth, um, <laughs> the, the Confederate libertarian. Uh, no, no, he's not a libertarian. No, he calls himself a Confederate Democrat. That's what I meant. Uh, yeah. Sorry, thank the you. The Confederate for Democrat. Me. Yep. Tell him hello and I love him, and that's awesome. It's very nice. Of we you. got into it. What was it that? Uh, but your your thoughts on the whole Greater Idaho? Are you hearing anyone uh, talking about that? Is there a discussion amongst friends? Well, water cooler talk. There, there's. Uh, I don't know how many counties are in the state. There's well over thirty counties. Mm-hmm. And uh, the uh, major counties that basically run the state that get all the votes on the left side that control everything, the supermajority are Portland area, 
Salem, the capital area. I don't know the capital or the county names. It's the and big cities, right? Eugene, which are the bigger cities, they mm-hmm. run the state. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the rest of the state, the other 30 counties or whatever, the majority of the state is pretty red. And a lot of Espanolas in Oregon. And so they're obviously conservative. And I don't think the Democrat type people or any political party really realizes how uh, conservative the Espanolas are in the in Oregon. What is an Espanola? So I don't know if they're a part of. I don't know if they're a part of the. Are you are you referring know. to Spanish speaking individuals? Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, they do the tend to have a conservative uh, viewpoint. A lot of uh, migrants are Catholics. What a, Latinas. You know, okay, but it's it's part of why it's so strange to see the the rallying on the right about uh, the border is because, like, guys, they're Christian and they vote that Mm -hmm. way. Yeah, Yeah, the right just is totally screwing the uh, the whole immigration thing up. They could have huge support. There's a whole other argument with that. The the, you know the immigration thing. um, That's just a side note there, Um, but I mean. Uh, you're getting way too many people in here versus the resources we have to support them. What do you mean too many people? I mean, the story we were just reading about Eastern Oregon says there's one person per square mile on average. I'm not, I'm not, I, I didn't mean, I, I, I kind of traveled off to the border issue on that. I'm just saying we're well, not. What do you mean there's too many people? Take that big of an influx at the border. What are you talking about? Uh, there's hardly well, anybody down there. There's hardly anyone in western uh, the western United States. I mean, it's mostly unpopulated, with the exception of because the cities. Because it's desert and there's no water. Um, that didn't stop know, Las you Vegas. Wanna, you might want to travel to the border communities and see what's actually going on. We've actually had uh, Sheriff David Hathaway call in from Santa Cruz County, Arizona. He's a border sheriff, and he's lived there his the whole only, life. And he's told us what's going on. Is that the only one you've talked to? Uh, he's the only one who actually understands human liberties. So, yeah, I'm not going to waste my time with I, anyone I else. Human liberties as well. But I, I'm just saying, if if that's your only resource, you need to go down there and check it out. Because I've been there, and it's a pretty rough deal. What's rough so, about it? Anyway, what's that? What do you mean it's a rough deal? What does that mean? You have people coming across the border with nowhere to go, nothing to do. Well, if they actually have nothing to do, then they'll probably go back home. But <laughs> that's my entire twenties. But my understanding <laughs> of people coming here is usually they're looking to work, and but, from what I've seen, there's a lot of people hiring. At least around here, they come on up here. They could, you know, as long as there weren't these stupid uh, government rules standing in the way about hiring people from down south, they'd get a job in no time because these are people who largely are willing to work. They do want to work because they want to send money back home to their loved ones uh, in Mexico or wherever, Guatemala. If you want to solve the problem of a bunch of people with nothing to do, get them jobs. But they are not allowed to have jobs in this country because they don't have their paperwork in order. And we're we're uh, giving them health care and uh, snippets of money. I'm not giving them health care. Yeah, we are. We're paying I'm for not. clinical. Yeah, well, we are. I mean, uh, no, there is there is actually an argument that you yourself are giving them health care. Uh, that health care is being paid for by money printing and you use the money. So, mm-hmm. so what it sounds like, as usual, with uh, people on the right – 
with their discussions about immigration is you're upset about welfare. And no, so no, no, I hold on. I heard you talking earlier about the welfare thing and me being kind of conservative. Mm-hmm. I'm pro get if you're going to be on welfare, you need to here's your six months or a year. And then you need to get off of it. And if you could sure, pay it sure. back, that'd be great. But what I'm hearing I'm from you, maybe I misunderstood you. It sounded to me like your concern is with people coming here that they are getting health care. And that to me is a welfare program, which is something that the government is doing. They're forcibly, they're forcibly you know, making it so you and the rest of us have to pay for other people's health care. Mm-hmm. And that's the objection, right? That's your concern. That's the reason why no. you don't want people coming here. No, my my objection and concern is that a certain amount of people over a certain amount of people overwhelm a system. If you build a ship and the ship's designed to carry a thousand people, mm-hmm. right? Of course, America is not a ship. It's a piece of land. Now, the system you're you talking have, about is the welfare system. Yes. Right. Okay. Okay. So what's the right. number? What's so the let's number? Sink that sucker. Hang on. Now. Hang on. Mm-hmm. What's, the, what's the number in Oregon? How many people was the ship of Oregon Welfare built to handle? How many people? I don't know, but it's tipping over here. Well, how do you know if you don't know how many people it was built That's, to handle? How do you know if it's too many? How do you know when it's overwhelmed? Well, just keep paying taxes as long as you go to work. You know, I I'm still working, so I can. I probably have, I don't know, a couple thousand dollars a month I could pay into the system to keep it afloat. And this is the thing. You don't know any of this, and you can't know. Like, number one, it's not your job. Number two, you're a single individual. Number three, you're not there on the ground seeing what the situation is. You cannot possibly know what the right way to do all of this stuff is. The way to solve that problem is to have a market in charity so that you have independent charities. Like, look, I get what what you're aiming at with the, like, okay, six months to a year. Maybe that's too little. Maybe that's too much. Maybe that works here and it doesn't work here. You know how we solve that problem? We have a market so that people that know the individual circumstances there that are motivated to do the most good for the least cost actually solve the problem instead of us trying to do a one-size-fits-all solution from 100 miles away. Bam. Mike drop. I'm, I'm, I'm tr- no, I'm trying to say we don't have that solution right now. I'm trying to say that you have... But you would support that? Without a system to take care of them. Okay, but the situation, I just want to clarify, would you support the quote-unquote system, if you want to call it that, or the lack thereof, the market-based system that Peakless Mountaineer was just... Okay, you would support that. All right, so in the event that we could actually do that, get rid of the government welfare program and have charities, churches, individuals, they're the ones who are helping out. They're the ones who are voluntarily providing health care or housing or food or whatever it is that people in need need. Then you'd be fine with people coming into the country, right? Totally, totally. Okay. But you're, you're, That's awesome. You're, you're, you're loading the ship before you have ballast and bilge pumps or any equipment to handle what's going on right now. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, from what I understand, I don't know for sure, but the way I was educated, we allowed – a million people in the country, the U.S. government permitted a, a million immigrants a year. 
And it's the same problem. It's the same problem. Like, is that too many? Is that too few? You cannot know that from Washington. You can't know if that's too many. You can't know if that's too few. What you can do, if you've got a, a market in these things, then you can have people make those decisions independently, and you can follow principles. Like the principle of, hey, we want workers over here. Okay, well, then you can have workers over there. Hey, we don't want people moving in from south of the border here. Okay, then you can deny those people rent because they come from Mexico. You have to allow these things to happen, and then we can have an adaptive system, find out maybe one million is too few, maybe it's too many. Let's find out, because the, the the idea of, like, there's this ship, and if you just load it with too many people, it'll sink. I mean, you're, you're assuming it, you're, your analogy assumes your conclusion going in. Now, what you have is a, a really, really complicated system in which we don't know how many, you know, how many people can fit on this ship because it wasn't designed for a specific number of people and it's an organism well here's the other thing if the and thank you this situation for the call uh if the system fails if there are too many people that come into it or whatever the good news is the charities will pick up the slack if there's people who are not getting taken care of by the system and it completely breaks or whatever the good news is there's still people who care about other people. There's still people mm-hmm. running a food bank over here. There's still people running a private homeless shelter over here. I'm talking about where we live. Yeah. And there's a lot of these things in a lot of places. People will step up and they will help their neighbors. Everything mm-hmm. that that uh, resembles any kind of a welfare program put on by government can and should be a GoFundMe. Yeah, yeah, but they kind of suck. I mean, okay, but I'm just saying that like you can crowdsource yeah, this yeah, stuff yeah. easily and get help directly to the people who need it, get it to them better, get it to them quicker than you can by relying on the behemoth, the slow-moving ox, the elephant, if you will, known as government. Let's go to this caller. You're on Free Talk Live. What's your name? Hey, Matthew. Matthew, you're on the air. Hey, I'm just calling uh, because uh, I think that the immigration debate kind of gets clouded because what what people get uh, frustrated with are are the benefits. And so what what you have is that the people that are coming here now are claiming asylum, which is different than migration. So with asylum, the federal government will provide you with housing assistance and a a whole host of benefits that normal migrants don't get. And so what you have is these large groups of people that are migrating across the border to claim asylum to get the benefits that come with that. Um, You can see it most prominently in Maine, mostly with people from uh, Western Africa, um, where there are towns that are maxed out because the federal government basically comes in and buys out hotels to to house the people that are claiming uh, asylum status um, when when migration is what would be more beneficial because then you wouldn't have all that trail of benefits that comes with with that asylum status. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I get uh, get where you're coming from. Unfortunately, you know, the federal government still exists. And while they exist, they will likely continue to offer asylum status, which is uh, a protection, right? So these are people who ostensibly are being persecuted in some way, shape, or form where they're coming from. And uh, sort of like uh, Edward Snowden, uh, you know, he applied for asylum in Russia, right. as, uh, as I understand it, to protect him from the United States government. And these are people who are, who are doing the same thing. I mean, I don't necessarily think that uh, 
everyone who needs asylum would necessarily need to have a bunch of handouts. I don't. I, I do find myself wondering what portion of the people who claim asylum are able to work uh, and are willing to work versus those who are taking the uh, the handouts. Do you have any idea? Yeah, well, so the thing is that if you say the right words, you can qualify as an asylee. And mm-hmm. so basically, you, you say, like, um, I, I can't be in my home country because I'm being persecuted for um, usually for Central America, it's usually gangs. Um, so they say, like, I can't stay there because the gangs are threatening my family. And then once you have that hook in, um, you qualify for the benefits that come with uh, with the Siley status. And, and I think that the, the thing that it, what we could fix this with was to go back to, to Mark's blue card, um, where basically, like, you can come here and do whatever you want as long as you promise to never uh, take any benefits. And I think that would quiet a lot of the people like the, like the situation um, or Can I claim asylum right to... from my own government? Mm, no, unfortunately not. Nice. <laughs> you have to go physically you, you somewhere else. You have to leave and go somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, there's this one ever-present gang everywhere I go. It's called the state, yeah, and, and it, it seems to target me all of the time. It sucks, too, because when you go to another place, you are then there as their guest, essentially. And so, like, in Russia, you better believe Edward Snowden's keeping his mouth shut about what uh, Putin is doing to people over there and the and what I, tyranny they have to deal and with. And I think they'd still complain because they were receiving uh, health care in, in emergency rooms. What gets me about the benefits argument for you know, asylum seekers or migrants is that, uh, oh, it's the cost. It's the cost. They're overwhelming the system. Well, look at the cost of war. That's a far larger number. Right. Hey, thank you, Matt, for the call tonight. I appreciate it. It would be nice if somebody was proposing the idea at the federal level that he's talking about. But no, they just want to crack down. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. You can join us here and you can bring up whatever you want. The number is 603-283-6160. Phone lines are loaded up right now, so you might be getting a busy signal if you're calling. Stand by. Until you hear somebody drop off the line. We do still have the SIP line available, the super important person line. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't it one of you guys that came yeah, up with that? That's uh, a good one. Uh, it is an internet method of calling into the show. It actually is really useful, especially if you're outside of the United States. You can call in for yeah. zero cost. Uh, go to sip.freetalklive.com. Anyone can do this. As long as you have a semi-decent internet connection, you'll sound better, likely, than if you're just calling in on the phones. And almost no one ever uses that line, so it's really easy <laughs> to get through uh, if you call the SIP line. But you do need to follow the instructions it to get it working. Great. It just takes a few minutes to get it set up. Uh, go to sip.freetalklive.com. And I want to make sure you know that this hour of Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency design. Dash, Dash to be used for spending. Uh, Last year, Dash launched a killer app that allows you to spend Dash at over 155,000 locations across the United States, including major retailers, brands you're familiar with, probably places you already shop. And the killer aspect of this is that not only do you get to spend your Dash, but you get a discount at most of these places for paying with Dash. So I don't remember which place it was, but the 8% the other day. Amazing. Yeah. Nice. Now, most of them aren't that high. No, no, no. Uh, you know, you're typically looking at 4 or 5% somewhere in that range. Sometimes it's as low as 2 or 3, uh, but there are some that are 8 9 7% yeah, up there. It's like, wow, awesome. that's impressive. So, and you're a Dash Direct. It's called Dash Direct, 
And Captain, you've been using Dash Direct since before Dash became a sponsor on the show. This yes. is something you found on your own, you were very interested in. And, and it's same here. You as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, one, one of the things that, like, I am surprised that other uh, cryptocurrencies that are trying to be a means of transaction right. are not developing the ability for people to transact with their physical businesses. Right. That's Whereas, the next logical step of adoption is let's make it easy for people to spend it. Exactly right. And Dash seems to be the only one that's really working well, on that. So the way I got to it was uh, I came through, so I used uh, Purse. Uh, we advertise that here mm-hmm. on freetalklive.com. Yeah. Uh, I used that uh, a few times, and I really liked it. And it has its place for certain things. Yeah. Uh, then I found, uh, I think it's Bit Refill and Crypto Refills. Mm-hmm. These the are gift card gift sites. card websites. Yeah. And it's a little cumbersome to go through it. You really mm-hmm. have to want to spend your cryptocurrency to yeah. mm-hmm. to go through these websites. It does work, but you know you've got to be a, sort of an advanced thinker. Uh, but with the Dash Direct app, you could just be at a place as long as there's, you know, Wi-Fi or whatever, like mm-hmm. a restaurant, for example, and uh, you search it on the app. Yep, it's here. Oh, they take. Okay, sweet. And you just, when you get your bill, you just put in the amount and bam, 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 and it's done. It's quick. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's amazing, at least so, my understanding. I've a never couple had the chance of these, to A couple of these restaurant chains have the, where they bring you the kiosk yep. at your table to pay. Right. And you can actually even include the tip. In the final the amount that wow. you pay, and they, you'll, cool. they'll have you scan a QR code uh, to, to pay for that's it. Handy. So it's almost, I mean, it's just as easy as paying with like uh, Apple credit Pay or a credit card. Except or you get a discount with Dash Direct. But you get a Direct. discount, yeah. Right. Uh, the stores, again, they have their own discount level, and that's a cool aspect of it. And they'll show you what they are when you go through the, the yeah. list. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies. It's widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. You can start by learning more at Dash.org. You can get that Dash Direct app, which is different from the Dash wallet, by the way. And I've heard there's a, there's discussion about moving them into the same wallet, the same yeah. program, that may be coming at some point. But for right now, they are separate. It's Dash Direct. Get that at your Apple or Android app store and learn more about Dash at Dash.org. Big thanks to the Dash Decentralized Autonomous Organization for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air here on Free Talk Live. Visit Dash.org. To learn about Dash, that's Dash.org. Thank you, Dash. We got the phones here. We got Steve. He's on the line in Vermont. Steve, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Hey, how you guys doing? What's on your mind tonight? I was just calling because I wanted to see if you guys had, a, had any advice on how to mentally prepare to go to jail for 10 years to life. I'm 22 years old, and I committed a nonviolent crime, so I'm looking at 10 to life right now. I won't say what it oh is, my God. but... I just, I'm trying to get advice to see how I can mentally prepare myself and then also deal with being there. Are we talking about state prison? Is this a state prison thing? Federal prison? What are we talking about here? It's going to be federal prison. And is this going to be like maximum security? Is it going to be a minimum security camp? I imagine those are going to be important questions. It's going to be a medium security. Okay. Well, having not been to prison... I, I really don't have much advice. The only thing that I could think of uh, for somebody in that position would be to find a purpose before you go in. Have a have a thought in mind of like what you want your life to be. Are you going to write a book? Are you going to, you know, what is it that you're going to do? There's There's something that you can do. Find a purpose while you're in there because that will keep you alive. A man can't live fully unless he has a purpose. And so if you can find one before you go in, have a have a goal in mind. Okay, well, I'm going to be in. This is what I'm going to spend my time doing. 
some prisons will have like college classes you can take and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So there's all sorts of things you can pursue, but figure out what that is so that you have a goal in mind as you go in. And that way you won't be as affected by, well, of course, being a prisoner. Yeah, that's kind of where I was going to come from on this. I mean, I've only ever been to jail, which is a whole other story. Prison, as I understand it, is very different. Um, but when I went to jail back in 2011 for civil disobedience, I spent 58 days uh, here in the Cheshire County Spiritual Retreat, as we like to call it. Yeah. And uh, I intended to have that be as positive of an experience as I possibly could. And it turned out to be a you know, all things considered, I'd have rather been somewhere else, but it wasn't a bad time. It was, uh, you know, pretty decent, all things considered. So I think having your mindset uh, being positive going into it means you'll probably see more of if, you know, whatever good side there is there to be seen if that's what you, you know, kind of meditate on and focus on. What are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, so uh, I, I thought that was a, a great way of, uh, of framing your experience was as a spiritual retreat. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it's sort of like uh, it's like being a refugee. You have to go to a completely different country with a completely and fundamentally different culture. So, like, this is this is a new life for you. And uh, the captain is absolutely correct about, like, having something that is worth doing. So for myself, if I was going to be put in prison, uh, I would probably devote myself to uh, what they call lawfare. Because you still have certain legal rights and still have the ability to uh, file suits from within the prison. And they have they tend to have a, uh, a, a remarkable amount of access to you know, legal libraries because of people who are still uh, fighting their, uh, their uh, sentencing or uh, uh, making an appeals process. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it's a completely new life and it's worth uh, seeing it as such. Uh, I will say that like, psychologically the way that a human being is set up if you are exposed to whichever level of uh of existence for a long enough period of time it becomes your baseline so you do get used to it and from institutionalization that, right, is what they call right. it right uh, well and and from that baseline it really comes down to how you choose to perceive the world. So, like, if you are paying attention to what you don't have that you like, it's going to be a lot more difficult for you. But if you pay attention to, for example, hey, I no longer have to pay a single bill for the rest of of my time here. If you no longer pay attention to all of the things that, that were stressing you out about your ordinary life that no longer exist... If, and if you pay attention to the things that you want to do with your life while you're there, then that can be a much more positive experience for you. I think, too, that if I were in this situation, that I might lean towards uh, either becoming clergy or becoming uh, what they – I don't know what they call it inside prisons, but it would be uh, uh, an, an inside uh, counselor, right? So you're a counselor to the other inmates because there are legal things like you're – talking about peakless where if the inmates say something to somebody who is employed by government then the government has to act on those words whereas they can say things to another inmate that that the other inmate doesn't have to take any action so you could effectively be a counselor to other people and again i don't know your situation exactly uh or what the situation of this person is that you're talking about but i'm gonna guess that odds are once they go inside, they're going to find somebody else in a worse situation 
And mm-hmm. so if you know you can be of any assistance to them, just being a friend, a comfort, a, a voice that they could talk to, uh, that kind of a thing, I think that that would put you in a better position to survive the ordeal. Yeah, that's very true. When you focus on making the world around you better, right. it does make it easier for, uh, like, you experience a better world while you're trying to make the world better. Yeah, I mean, you are still going to deal with bureaucracy. It is There's going to be a lot of it that is not fun or anything like yeah. that, but it really is... Whether it's an absolutely torturous, hellish experience or a, you know, just a, a place where you can focus on other things like uh, Peekles was talking about and, and grow yourself in different ways than you otherwise would have is really up to you to decide. You can you can be the prisoner that's there and angry and in despair and pounding on your door day and night and pissing everybody off. Or you can be somebody who's there to at least try to connect with people that are there and, and have a, a positive as positive of an experience. Find a way to help others and your life will have far more meaning. Yeah, that's and, a great point. And, and I know that, uh, I, uh, like Ian, I haven't, uh, I haven't been to prison, but I have been to jail. And I know that uh, in the time leading up to that, the anxiety that I felt about that change was actually way more than was warranted by the change itself. Mm. So right now in this time, it's it's very easy to be consumed by fear, by anxiety about the upcoming change. But if you just take a deep breath, take a step back, and like it's going to be what it's going to be, and accept what's what is happening to you for what it is, then that gives you a, a much stronger position to be able to adapt and to plan and to figure out what you're going to do with this change in life experience. That sounds good. Thanks for the advice. Hey, thanks for reaching out. Good luck on the the uh, sentencing there, man. I hope you get on the lower end. Thank you. Appreciate it, man. Uh, the number here is 603-283-6160. I can't even fathom, like... You know, knowing basic, that was coming. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, I, I kind of feel the same way about you with what you're facing. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah they, like, they I, would love the prosecutors, I'm sure, would love to have me spend many years yeah, behind bars. Yeah, so. I kind of take it as a, as a given that uh, that is always one of the options because I'm fighting for liberty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look, I'm fighting to end the largest gang that the world has ever seen. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm fighting to end this entire style of existence that we have this acceptance for one criminal gang in a given geographical area. Yeah. So, of course, they're going to target me. And certainly one of the things that is very easily in their arsenal is putting me in prison. Yeah, make no mistake, uh, all of us sitting here uh, and even our callers to, to that extent, uh, we are taking a risk. Uh, at talking the way we do, speaking the way we do, we are definitely taking a risk. Why do we take that risk? We don't do it for ourselves. We do it for you. Yeah. We go on here. Uh, let's talk. And by the way, just more about the prison thing. There's, I'm sure, many people who have spent time in federal minimum or uh, he said medium security prisons. Yeah. I'm sure you can go online and and either connect directly with them or read their writings about what you know things were like to give you some idea of of what to expect. Let's go to Shortwave Surfer calling on our SIP line at sip.freetalklive.com. Hello there. Well, hello there. Welcome, sir. You're on the air. So the thing with the, um, the, the prisons and things like that is the governments are just making martyrs out of people. Yep. Ross Ulbricht is a martyr, and people still love him and appreciate what he did with the harm reduction of the Silk Road. Mm-hmm. You are a martyr and you are fighting your sentence and that is a beacon of hope to everybody. 
okay. at least in my opinion. Well, thanks. I appreciate I it. it. Um, By the way, Ross Ulbricht is uh, posting to Twitter from inside of the prison, I presume. Is that actually him? I thought it was relayed somehow. I presume it's relayed. Yeah, I, okay. I, you're not going to get a Twitter app in I was going to say. Prison, like, but uh, he's probably just, you know calling or, or emailing or something. Maybe he's got a carrier pigeon that he writes things on and whoever <laughs> receives it then tweets letter, it. He writes a letter to his mom and his mom goes for him. It's probably something yeah. like that. Yeah, but, uh, but the, somebody's posting for him and... Uh, I'll just give you a couple of his because I know he's in. Uh, I I don't know if it's Max or whatever, but he's in some pretty serious lockdown and he's in federal in prison. federal prison. Uh, his- well, and and these these martyrs, as you call them, really do become sort of a benchmark because you know you know Trump can go on there and be like, yeah, I'm going to drain the swamp and freedom and all of that, and it's like okay, but how did you treat Ross Ulbricht? How did you treat Edward Snowden? Mm-hmm. How did you treat these these martyrs? Uh, there's a post here from May 16th, so just a few days ago that. That kind of plays into what we were just talking about. Ross says, uh, today I set a strong intention to win the day, and it's been going great. I got up early to meditate before they unlocked the cells. I stayed focused and upbeat. I got a lot done and tied up loose ends that have been nagging at me. Feels good. Nice. So it's it's not easy, especially in a case where, for Ross, there's no light at the end of the tunnel. There's the potential for a commutation at some point, if you can find some president to somehow be persuaded to do that, probably not going to be Joe Biden. Uh, but yeah. uh, you know, but there's no end to his sentence. He has a double life sentence plus forty years, so, so, so it can horrible. be so easy to let that overwhelm you. And I know at times he has been pretty depressed sure. about yeah. that. Uh, but here he is, you know, more than a decade into being behind federal prison bars and he's still he's shifted his perspective he's trying to stay as positive as he possibly can yeah. and here he is 10 years in saying he's still having good he's still able to have a good day well while, while i'm thinking about it another uh, resource for our previous caller mm-hmm. uh, might be talking to veterans who were pow's uh, who survived being a prisoner of war mm-hmm. right find out what did you do how did you occupy your time how did you get by and you know ask a bunch of different people somebody will resonate with you uh, and you know you'll get the answers you seek and one of the things that i think about with ross is that i mean sure you you have absolutely been struck by your opponent but you have already like the pivotal moment in which he created a marketplace for cryptocurrency has absolutely altered the course of history absolutely the the fact mm-hmm. that oh well what can you do with bitcoin the fact that someone answered what can you do with bitcoin the fact that do. ross albrecht made this marketplace for this means that this got a chance to live and thrive and will one day take down the very system that is imprisoning yeah. him now yeah most importantly proving that uh, anarchism in theory uh, can be applied to practice successfully because Cryptocurrency, a.k.a. Bitcoin, uh, is anarchic philosophically and mechanically, and it just works. Uh, by the way, he is at RealRossU. If you want to follow him on Twitter, that's at RealRossU. And he's got some really interesting posts. He doesn't post very often, obviously, because you know, he's got to send them to somebody else. Anyway, Shortwave Surfer, uh, what else did you want to sh- uh, share here? With, this, uh, with the welfare state... My my personal thought is that uh, welfare can be fine 
as long as you're not uh, quote unquote wasting it on vices. So my thought is instead of giving somebody a thousand dollars a month or whatever, you pay their phone bill or you pay their mortgage or you pay their something practical. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like um, I wouldn't want to give a say a homeless person cash mm-hmm. because they could go spend it on drugs. Sure. But if they were hungry, I would absolutely go to the McDonald's or whatever and buy them a burger and bring it to them. Mm-hmm. I would be perfectly fine doing that. Well, and and with that, I think you have to look at the the difference in incentive between a private charity and taxes being put toward these welfare programs. Now, with taxes being put toward these welfare programs, they don't care about the actual welfare of the people that they're so-called helping. They don't care if you do spend that money on heroin. What difference does that make to them as long as they get their their votes, right? Whereas, if you are a charity, then you have to make the determination like, okay, well, it's going to be this difficult to to pay for your rent specifically instead of handing you money and they can make that calculation go okay yes well that increases the probability that this is going to go to the right place by this much and figure out whether that's worth it in every given circumstance right like if if i'm paying your phone bill for you then that gives you the chance to have a phone and have phone service Mm -hmm. which then gives you the access to the internet and the ability to get a job Whereas if I just gave you the sixty dollars or whatever, I mean, I don't think you could buy heroin with sixty bucks, but I think you, you can. get the idea. Yeah. Well, you might be able to. I don't know yeah, how much yeah. heroin costs. I don't either, but you can get a, you know a half of a rock or whatever, and I'm sure they'll figure out how to fill in the the gaps that they need to. But yeah, like that's that's the whole thing is like you're giving somebody access to something that can better their lives with mm-hmm. a phone bill um, being paid, whereas with heroin or something like that, you're just hurting them and, indirectly. Mm. And maybe someday the government will get around to doing an additional tax program to pay people's phone bills. Whereas if you have private charities competing with each other, then they have the incentive to figure out right away and get on it that, okay, this is one of the ways that we can help people that doesn't get abused. Hey, thanks for the call tonight, Shortwave Surfer. I appreciate the call. Let's continue here. We have Bad Slave on the line in New Hampshire. Bad Slave, go ahead. Oh, thank you. Um, I wanted to just say that, you know, getting into the whole contraband thing is that, you know, right now, uh, you know, it's been a long time since the USA has been the the maximum, uh, you know, abuser of incarceration as the choice of of, uh, uh, you know, taking people's freedom. Uh, and the, the, the trick that, that they have is that basically they've written so many laws, particularly in the federal realm, mm-hmm. that have there to, you know... You mean three felonies a day yeah, so that we can have the yeah. most filled uh, uh, prison systems in the entire world? There are a ton of people behind bars who've never harmed another human being. And I know I happen to know, Bad Slave, that you spent some time in state prison here in New Hampshire for a victimless 
act of I think driving your car. Um, you know what was Ooh, wow. what was your horrible ex- criminal your experience uh, behind bars there? What percentage of the people were there that you encountered for actually creating a victim versus those who had no victim? The best I could you know glean from from the population I was exposed to is that about half uh, you know uh, uh, of the people that were are there for uh, about half, you know, yeah, you know, crimes without a harmed party. Right now, this is I state mean, prison. You know, there may or may not be more in places like federal prison, depending on the security level, obviously. But now, state prison was this considered a maximum security facility? I mean, they don't have different levels of security. I don't think in uh, in New Hampshire. Well, I was, I was, you know, I was in in general population mm-hmm. for for the 15 months that I was there. Uh, and uh, it was, um, I mean, I I had a, a good uh, cellmate and uh, who, who's, uh, uh, I think COVID took him out recently. Mm. He was only 50 years old and, uh, uh, I mean, that certainly is important to have somebody that if you're in a cell with people to um, hopefully have somebody that you can get along with. Um, But do you have any recommendations for the the caller who was on the line? I mean, I just I know that may not have been the reason you were calling in. But since you you do have some experience, you weren't in federal uh, medium security. But I mean, just generally for somebody who, as he said, may be facing 10 years to life. uh, You know, do you have any advice? Well, I, you know, I think you're you're probably as well suited as anybody to to make good time for yourself. I, you know, I I was I, I was released on uh, home confinement after uh, the thirteen months, and uh, and uh, and I my experience there was uh, not. You're not bad. The people were good to me. Yeah, a lot of it it with uh, with jail and with prison is really just, they make it scarier than it actually is. Yeah. Hey, thank you for the call, Bad Slave. I appreciate the uh, the input there. The number here is 603-283-6160. Coming up, we still haven't talked about the uh, the senators taking aim at El Salvador and their Bitcoin adoption. I definitely do want to get into that. We'll do that on the way in Hour 3. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live, live Saturday show. Phones are open if you want to join us. The number is 603 283 6160. That's 603 283 6160. Isn't it weird how a telephone number is referred to as a singular when it's actually plural? Hmm. There are, is many, it though? There are numbers is it in a the, telephone number. There are numbers, but there are numbers in a number. Another good point. All right. Very persuasive. 
Uh, the number is 603-283-6160. Just dial them in the right order. That's all you got to do, and then you'll get in touch with us. Also, our SIP line, which somebody actually used in the last hour over at sip.freetalklive.com. Uh, we're going to get into the story, Picos Mountaineer, that you wanted to share with us about the senators in the U.S. apparently doing something to target El Salvador over their Bitcoin support. Mm-hmm. Uh, but first, let's talk to Ricky. He's in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Ricky, you're on Free Talk Live. Thank you there, Brother Ian. Brother Captain Picos Mountaineer, good evening. What's on your mind tonight? Well, I wanted to make a brief statement, and it's going to be uh, my Beard Talk Live experience. But now, no, 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 sir. The, uh, Beard Talk Live is an hour and a half from now. Yeah. Uh, it may seem like Beard Talk Live because there are indeed <laughs> no, men with no, beards. No, 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 I'm just going to talk about Beard Talk Live. Oh, okay. oh well, that's fine. <laughs> just for our listeners that don't know, uh, that is coming up at 10:30 Eastern time tonight. It is a not on the radio show it's internet only you can find it over at watch.freetalklive.com which means there's no fcc uh to get in the way of the conversation all right for my part how dare you make people aware of our other show go ahead what's on your mind tonight (laughs) well on to that statement quick okay the situation loves ricky from the commonwealth the confederate democrat even if he's a Conservative as all as all hell, brother. It's all good, you know. Now on to if I could, my topic. Can you guys get right. a room, uh, maybe on like our chat server <laughs> at chat.freetalklive.com? I'm not going to be online until like the beginning of next month. Okay, well, you guys should get a room. I mean, it sounds like a love fest here. What else did you call? What did no, you actually call about? So. No, 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 no. I'm just being Ricky from the Conwell, as I've known. Ricky does to want to do porn. He's too conservative. That's for true. Me now. Really? Yeah. yeah you should so... listen to to the first time he called our show. Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, no, I mean, no. there are people that are into uh, like you know different deformities and, and, and of, cripples and, and things of course like that. for cost savings, like tracheostomies. Of course, for cost well, savings, Ricky like, will star in the I films could, himself. I could. Well, I can yeah. say what it's like having a conversation with the situation, me being the liberal Confederate Democrat and he being what he is, but I can't say it on the air on this program. Okay, that's fine. So what were you calling about, Ricky, besides the situation? Well, no, I just wanted to say boyfriend. this one, you know? Uh, initially, when I mentioned about going on Beard Talk Live, I was a little apprehensive, you know, uh, but I'll tell you, I mean, I don't know if you heard when I was on last uh, Saturday. I did I didn't. Oh, yeah, it was pretty interesting. Uh, was it, though? I came, well, the captain's laughing it, about that comment, so I don't know if everyone really? agrees. What's that? I don't know if everyone agrees, but that was the conversation where he said he wanted to be in, do porn? That wasn't last year. No, that, no. Was, that no, was the time no, before. That oh, was okay. A couple times ago. No, okay. it was kind of weird. Well, that's what I want to talk about, and this is kind of for the captain, too. You know, I'm a flexible guy, and I mean, I basically came off like I did on the underground groups on Skype back in 17. And, There's you know, probably I'm, a fetish for that, a blind, flexible guy. I think yeah. you could you could make it in porn, uh, Ricky. Please oh, don't keep hey, redirecting hey, him hey. to that, that to that <laughs> avenue. Ricky, well, here's what, what I was going to say. Well, okay, here's well, what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's kind of like this. I mean, I mean, it was good. I had a good night. You know, I was he. You know, Captain had me on like three times. He put me on hold. I was pretty hot that night. You know, well, if Captain keeps captain. bringing you back, I mean, that may be an indicator that he's enjoying your, your presence. I don't be know. be an indicator well, that we need more callers, too. Yeah, but you don't need that, Ricky. I mean, you can just... 
Well, here's what yeah, I Yeah, we have a lot say. of fun on that show, that's for sure. Yeah. All right, so, yeah, so Ricky, you're giving it a good review. Though. That's what you're calling in to, to do here tonight. Thank yeah, you for the call. Thank you for the call tonight. I appreciate it. Uh, good. I, I also I'm like sure to talk we'll talk to him later. Yeah, yeah. yeah you can call yeah. in later tonight. Uh, the same number, by the way. So you can call in the same number uh, just after 1030 Eastern time, and then uh, the rules are all different That's right. on Beard Talk Live. Yeah, I don't, I don't really follow. We're sort of unformat format. Right. We even yeah. forget our own shtick sometimes. Yeah, it's it, pretty it, sweet. it is almost impossible to keep to any sort of a plan on that show, which is uh, That's a lot okay. of fun. That's okay. All right. So it's like it's anarchy. Let's get into it here, uh, Picos Mountaineer. You wanted to bring up El Salvador. This is the country that uh, made headlines in, I think it was September of 2021, mm-hmm. when they adopted a legal tender status for Bitcoin, specifically Bitcoin, uh, not necessarily other cryptocurrencies. And they also only have the dollar prior to that. So they don't have mm-hmm. their own central bank currency at this point. They did at one point in the past. Yeah. They scrapped and, that. And since you uh, mentioned other uh, cryptocurrencies, uh, he has uh, the, uh, the guy who runs the country has uh, come out and said that, yeah, all of those are securities. So Ooh, he agrees boy. with Gary Gensler on that. No, those are all unregistered securities. He's whereas a- the one that I like... Is He's a not. dictator, by the way. This yeah. guy. This guy is. Uh, his name is Naib Bukele. He's my favorite dictator. <laughs> There's not I really mean, a lot to a like about bar, him. You, but still, you, you have a list of favorite dictators. It's no, a it's list of one, one so far. Uh, okay, hey, but if more dictators want to start embracing Bitcoin, then they can compete with Naib Bukele for my favorite dictator status. He does uh, try to, uh, per, I guess, portray himself as this cool guy he like wears his hat backwards is he trying to be a crypto bro oh totally does he drive totally. a lambo yeah it wouldn't surprise me but i don't know what he drives uh, but anyway what's going on with regards to el salvador because so far the experiment hasn't really been a resounding success of bitcoin me? in el salvador no i'm not kidding Are you, you I've kidding watched... me dude the, the the murder rate's gone down by like 98 has nothing to do with bitcoin that has everything to do with bitcoin. no it doesn't oh absolutely that so... has to do with them rounding up thousands if not tens of thousands of people and holding them with no trial in a terrorism facility prison look i'm not saying that didn't i'm not saying that that didn't contribute to this but the the major the, the biggest thing that that comes down to when, with crime is do you have something better to do? So if you are economically successful as a country, then your people have better things to do than just steal stuff. Now, with uh, with there's Bitcoin, not a lot of people using Bitcoin in El Salvador. Oh, that's completely beside the point. The fact is that this has generated a huge tourism industry for mm-hmm. him. So a, a an incredible amount of money is coming into the country because of all of the people who are interested in Bitcoin. So now they have uh, they're they're setting up uh, Bitcoin miners on this volcano. Mm, yeah, they're they're putting that. together didn't the the financial infrastructure to. Didn't we have a, a guy on the news? Didn't he go to El Salvador? I think he did. Also, we talked to Mark Falzon. Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah, who yeah. spent a lot of time in there. In fact. He's been doing videos recently, kind of follow-up videos. So he went to El Salvador when it first started. He yeah. was there when, like, on the day that it went into effect, and was trying out the the government wallet, which is terrible, uh, called the Chivo wallet. Yeah. And and then he went back fairly recently and did follow-up interviews, just talking to kind of man on the street, asking people, you know, what their experience has been. There really wasn't a lot of. Uh, it didn't seem like it had had much of an impact at all on the average 
people there in El Salvador. And and I don't deny there are Bitcoin bros or whatever that are going down there. They're vacationing A there. A tremendous amount tourists. of money. I don't know yeah. how much money it is, so I haven't heard yeah, anything there's, about there's that. A, oh, you should look into it. There's a tremendous amount of tourism that's being generated because of the Bitcoin. Okay, thing. so the tourist traps are doing better, but the yeah. rest of the country just as screwed as... Uh, as well, always. so that's the thing. If you increase the tourism of a country, you increase the overall wealth of the country. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you have a country that is doing well economically, then it brings crime way, way down. And uh, I don't want to overlook uh, the, the generational impact, right? So if you have kids right now that are under uh, five, right, who've never touched a computer perhaps or, or a cell phone, uh, when they get to like 18, right, cryptocurrency is going to mean more to them than it does to adults currently. So sure. mm-hmm. El Salvador adopting Bitcoin as a currency probably not going to have a lot of impact on the existing adults except for early adopters and techies and that's true and like that, we see everywhere else but yeah the impact it's going to have on the children who are growing up with it i think will be far more impactful i think that's true and you can kind of see that in uh, mark falzen's recent documentary i didn't watch the full length one but he put out like a follow-up one where he's just interviewing a lot of people on the streets it is definitely the younger people who uh, younger males, of course, who are interested in cryptocurrency. They had positive things to say. Anyone who was over the age of 35 to 40 yeah. just was not interested at all. And All you Gen no Xers, e- the analogy here is it's like video games. <laughs> right? Your parents mm-hmm. didn't have them, but you did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's very much along that line. And like, look, I'm not arguing that he's not a dictator. Oh, he's terrible. But... Uh, Africa's full of dictators, not one of them increasing the economic well-being of their people. This dictator is increasing the economic well-being of his people and is proving that a country can recognize cryptocurrency, which yeah, I think true. is, and that that risk yeah. is is something that is incredibly I, important I love to, the his, use to case. history. I love the use case example. I, I, d- I don't like that it is a mandatory thing, the way right. the law is written. It it's, is not being enforced. Not libertarian. No, of course not. Yeah. It's it's not being enforced as a mandatory uh, aspect, but it is written that way. So if they wanted to enforce it that way, they could. Uh, that's not how it's been done. And I mean, well, good for them for not and, doing that. And that's what legal tender is. I mean, we don't think about it because no one ever does it. But if yeah. if someone owes you and you, like you cannot refuse dollars, you will go that's to right. jail if you refuse dollars for a debt that someone owes you. Correct. But we don't think about that. But that's what legal tender means. In the case in. Uh, in El Salvador, as I understand it, the way the law is written, and I had seen the the translation of it at the time, was that uh, you must accept it at a business period. I don't think it was just for debt. I think well, it was just that's the American legal tender right. version. There, it's like if you're in business, you have to accept it. Although Bukele has said publicly that that won't be enforced, it hasn't been enforced. So if you're like if you're an old guy and you, you don't even have a smartphone and you just like screw this Bitcoin, I don't care about it. They're not gonna through you in prison however if somebody snitches on you in el salvador as we reported a couple weeks ago and they say that you have something to do with gang activity then good luck to you because Mm -hmm. they will snatch you up and they will put you in a maximum security overcrowded terrorism facility so, so some other gang is going to come in and snatch you the up. el salvador gang yep the, the criminal gang that runs the the, the so-called yep. government 
They will put you in this place that they just built, this brand new facility, which can house like 40,000 people. There's crazy propaganda style videos out there, like with Hollywood level production, nice editing, nice camera work, really intense uh, music promoting this. These are people who are being locked up with no trial. These are suspects. And Bukele has said publicly that he intends to just keep these guys in prison. Just on the say-so of somebody who picked up a phone and said, oh, yeah, I got a tip that so-and-so's involved in gang activity. Call our snitch line. Operators are standing by. So I I hope that the Bitcoin bros don't get caught up in quote-unquote gang activity or cross the wrong bureaucrat because then they could end up in there. you You know who else had a snitch line recently? The United States during COVID, mm-hmm. uh, they probably still fed, do. The federal government set up a hotline yeah. for you to call. Yeah, so sure. you could snitch out people who weren't masking or social distancing appropriately. So I mean, yeah, and I think, and I think it's very telling that all of the all of the heat that they're taking is over the Bitcoin thing. So like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah, the IMF, uh, they're like, oh, you're 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 a huge risk. We won't we won't give you the the category of uh, that will allow anyone to loan you any money. Which I mean, everything on Earth when it comes to money runs on debt. It is all debt powered. So they're they're trying to sink them not because they're being a, a cruel dictatorial power. That's right. No, no, no. Because of Bitcoin. Right. And that is the most interesting aspect of what he's doing, Bukele, and what makes it worth looking at is mm-hmm. to see what is the world governmental system, the banking system, the central bankers, the IMF types. What is their response to him? How is he dealing with that? So far, his attitude is to basically flip the bird, give him Mm -hmm. the old double bird and say, you know, screw you. We're doing fine. We don't need you, IMF. Mm -hmm. That's essentially been his attitude about that. And to that extent, he is likable. Yeah. From that, from that aspect. Well, and I mean, when you when you see them saying, "Oh, there's no way that he's going to be able to pay all of his debt, all of these debts that are coming in at this time," mm-hmm. and, and that's just all over the place. And then he and then pays he them, yeah. and that is nowhere. It is just yeah. crickets. As soon as he actually shows, no, this w- all of the things I'm doing are actually very fiscally responsible. Mm. This is actually not a disastrous policy, like you're making it out to be. And and it's not like he's completely replacing the dollar that runs the country with Bitcoin, which would be dangerous. Like a, a sudden replacement like that would actually be yeah. a, a chaotic shift. But no, they're they're trying to you know fear uncertainty and doubt every possible change. Yeah, he is paving the way uh, for other countries to follow suit. Other smaller countries likely right. uh, are probably considering doing something similar to uh you know help themselves and their people potentially gather more wealth for themselves so meanwhile in the land of the fee in the home of the slave (laughs) cryptocurrency is highly persecuted oh yeah yeah and in fact they're targeting apparently Mm -hmm. uh el salvador now we're going to talk about that coming up here in a moment but let's go to the phones here and talk to this caller caller you're on free talk live what's your name bonnie bonnie you're on the air go ahead I'd like to find out more about this New Hampshire thing. Okay, what what about the New Hampshire thing? What are you what have you uh, heard well, about it? Who who would you talk to about it? Well what is it that you're referring to? Uh moving there. Oh, okay. Well I would only talk to libertarians. Do you know what that is? No, I don't okay. uh, uh, I don't know anything about that. I've heard 
heard it said, but mm-hmm. I don't know anything about it. All right. Where do you where are you calling us from tonight, Bonnie? Virginia. Virginia. Now, um, how would you describe yourself politically? Well, I vote for Trump. Vote for Trump. Okay. And why yeah. why did you vote for Trump? Because he makes sense. Makes sense. He has common sense. Common sense. All right. So were, there weren't any particular policy positions or anything like that that, uh, that you were excited about? There's a lot about. of different things. Mm-hmm. He just... He does things with common sense. Hmm. He wants to do the right thing. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, there, there were a lot of things that uh, no other politician was willing to offer because that's part of their scam. That he's like, well, but people really like X, Y, and Z, and none of you are going to seriously offer to do these things. Like, it's not that hard to talk to Russia and make peace. But they all work for the military-industrial complex. So well, when, he... when you try to talk to them, they just get mad. Yeah. Let me give they you a quick litmus test here, Bonnie. Um, how do you feel about ending the war on drugs? I like to stop it because I don't use drugs. My kids don't use drugs. None of that. And I don't want it around me. Okay, when you say you'd like to stop it, were you saying you want to stop people from using drugs or you want to stop the war on drugs? Stop them from being in this country. Stop them from. But so so throw drug users out of the happen. You want to throw drug users out of the country. Okay, so yeah, I just want to tell you, Bonnie, well, you don't belong well, in New Hampshire. Well, I'm just going to go ahead and make that judgment here that you you should stay in Virginia, and you and anyone who believes like you uh, that drug users should be thrown out of the country, you should stay right where you are, and if you're in New Hampshire already, you should plan to leave. Go ahead and move to Virginia, move to Texas. Uh, it sounds like you belong in a conservative state. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so, no, New Hampshire is the libertarian uh, homeland. It's the libertarian state. And and on the subject, as uh, as a libertarian, I'd like to to ask you about this. So um, so where were you with the uh, where did you stand on the whole vaccination thing? I didn't get the vaccination. I didn't trust it. Well, mm, okay. so so here's here's my perspective. I agree on with that. you on that. Yeah, one. absolutely. Yeah. So from my perspective, I'm the one that should make all of my medical decisions. Right. Okay. Man. So what if my medical decision is to smoke cannabis? No, I don't want to. I never have and never want and, to. And that's great for you. I think that you should make your decisions. And, like, if for some weird reason some politicians, like, I want to force everyone named Bonnie to smoke cannabis on Thursdays, I'd be against that. You know, if yeah. someone wanted to tell you, here's what you have to put into your body. And in the well, same way. Crazy. I, right. So now. In the same way that I get to decide whether or not this injection goes into me of this, you know, unknown substance, why shouldn't I also decide which drugs to use? Right. That's right. I have that right to decide for myself. Yeah. Well, then then why don't drug users have the right to decide for themselves? Well, I'm sure they do, but I just wonder if they really realize what they're doing. 
See, now that's towns. now that is where where I think we'd agree. Where uh, I think that it's really important that if people make these decisions, that they are fully educated on what the effects of their choices are to the best knowledge that we have available. Yeah, uh, very persuasive, uh, Peakless Mountaineer. I think you make a great point. Uh, does that change your mind, though, Bonnie, about wanting to throw drug users out of the country? Well, I can't say throw the drug users out, but throw the dealers out. Throw the dealers out. The ones bringing it into the country. Like the CIA? Make it illegal. Well, so here's here's my issue with that, because... uh, all of the all of the doctors, at least the ones that were getting on TV, like they were all saying, "Oh no, you absolutely you need to put this injection in you." So I mean, well, I those, don't want to. Right. And I'm not going to. Right, and from my perspective, those guys are just another kind of drug dealer, and right. and and I'm not saying that they should that you shouldn't have the option if that's what you want to do, but for me. I, I I want to go to where I get my medicine, and right. if okay, so where I get my medicine might not be someone with a lab coat, might not be someone who graduated from all of these expensive government schools, but it's still where I get my medicine. Shouldn't I be able to do that? Yes. Well, okay, but just well, a moment that's, ago, that's well, it. but that might be what you call a drug dealer. Well, that's a little bit different. That should be a control thing. Yeah. Yep, you definitely don't belong in New Hampshire. Uh, thank you for the call tonight, Bonnie. I definitely appreciate hearing from you. The number is 603-283-6160. Freedom just isn't right for everybody, uh, and that's okay. You know, those people just need to stay right where they are. 603-283-6160. If you do believe in liberty and you understand human rights and freedoms, then you ought to look into the Free State Project. we got more coming up. say thank you to Free Talk Live supporters of the AMPS program, like Michael Lamau. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Platinum level supporter here on Free Talk Live. And Michael, oh, that may be be letter I. Michael Imau, which I'm still probably butchering his last name, but thank you, Michael. Imau, like I ate a bunch of food. You know who you are. No, spelled differently. Uh Oh. Uh, but uh, he's a platinum level, which means he's doing 25 bucks a month. That's Thank five you. times what we ask. We only ask for $5 a month. So big thanks uh, to Michael for supporting the AMPS program at amps.freetalklive.com. Advertise, market, promote, and support. It's a way for you to get behind the show directly uh, to help us continue to get the word out about the ideas of freedom, liberty, cryptocurrency, uh, the stuff that we talk about here, independence, on a regular basis, we're going to get back into the story about uh, El Salvador in a moment here. But if you want to join AMPS, as Michael has done, just go to amps, A-M-P-S, dot freetalklive.com. That takes you right over to our Patreon. And that is, uh, it's easy to join credit card, debit card, even PayPal over at amps.freetalklive.com. You get perks like access to the AMP-only uh, podcast that has the full radio show every night without any recorded ads. Let's go to the phones here. We got Sarah on the line in New Mexico. Go ahead, Sarah. Yes, yeah, so according to the 
the Indian Sanskrit, like a, the, it's the, um, if you are close to being ascended, that you'll be reincarnated into um, a family that's very religious. So I kind of think that that was kind of true in my, my case because my father was a pastor, my grandfather was a pastor, and all of them, my family was like uh, like deacons or elders all in the family, even though it was Presbyterian. I'm offended. I'm a religious family. What are you, so what are you offended about? That Sarah called. No, I, I have a feeling that so the, if that's true. That's I might... uh, that that's actually not what uh, what uh, Hindu dictates. I mean, uh, you it can be that you get uh, reincarnated in a religious family, but uh, uh, leaving the wheel of samsara is available to everyone at any time. What is the wheel of samsara? Uh, reincarnation. So uh, okay. the, uh, in the karmic cycles, so you wrong others and then you must pay off your karmic debt. Mm-hmm. And uh, be- while that is true, the possibility of enlightenment exists for everyone at all times. Hmm. And uh, well, I think it's that. So if you have good karma, if you're born into a, a you have you you'll be born to a, a beautiful body, in a wealthy family, that's considered a good karma. And even your astrological sign is part of your karma. So remember in the ancient times that people that were wealthy, they they felt like it was a good good fortune in Europe also in, in different religions they considered that and. According but to there's the plenty Vegas, of uh, pretty people out there and wealthy people who seem to absolutely have dreadful lives, who seem to hate uh, their existence. Uh, is the idea that they had good karma in the past, so they got a really hot body and a nice, rich uh, family, and just to see if they could, you know, still have good karma? Because it seems like a lot of them are, are blowing it. Uh, and that basically is the idea: is that mm-hmm. uh, you you have good karma, you get a, a an easier existence, and then with that easier existence, you you know sin basically, mm. uh, and then you have to reincarnate in a rougher existence to work off some of that karma, and then I you see. have a and it just sort of goes round and round, and and that's actually why Buddhism's uh, primary focus is all on the sudden enlightenment, because that way you don't have to just go reincarnation to reincarnation to reincarnation. But uh, Zen Buddhism especially focuses on the possibility of an immediate uh, liberation from the Wheel of Reincarnation. Sarah, thanks for the call tonight. The number here is 603-283-6160. I think karma is an interesting subject. Glad she she brought it up. Let's get back into El Salvador, however, where they, in 2021, in September, essentially made Bitcoin legal tender. And now it's not quite uh, about, about a year and a half later. Uh, at this point, uh, it hasn't really been taking El Salvador by storm as far as the average person goes. But as Peekless pointed out, there has been some additional tourist, uh, tourism money coming in. There are some big plans to create this Bitcoin city concept, mm-hmm. and that's kind of interesting. Unfortunately, it means you, if you want to invest in it, you'd be giving money to the same evil folks who are putting innocent people behind bars for just simply accusing them of being involved in gang activity. So you're and- not going to be bo- moving to some sort of libertarian utility. Uh, Utopia or anything like that, or anything even close to it. But you can spend your Bitcoin. And in, in theory, in terms of timing, I'd, I'd 
uh, hasten to point out that there seems to be a four-year cycle on the uh, dollar value of cryptocurrencies. Hmm. So it may be a little uh, too soon to tell on what the effect of uh, of moving to uh, Bitcoin legal tender status is. Oh, whereas, it's definitely too soon to tell. Right. Absolutely. Right. Whereas uh, as these four-year cycle, uh, four cycles go through, we uh, so far we keep hitting new all-time highs. Mm-hmm. And uh, every time that happens, I think it's going to give other countries uh, – uh, the question of whether they should institute this policy. Definitely. And, of course, the the worse off your country is, the more it would benefit. But there are these other forces in the world, like the IMF and the other central banks in the world that are definitely against cryptocurrency. They want to have total control over the money supplies. Mm -hmm. And crypto is is an enemy to those people. So, uh, you know, this is part of what's the interesting thing about what El Salvador has done is what are the reactions of the rest of the world and how is El Salvador handling that? So you've got some news. Yeah, two such enemies are Bob Menendez, the Democrat from New Jersey, and Jim Reich, the Republican from Idaho, uh, the chairman and ranking member of the Foreign Relations Committee, respectively. They announced legislation called the Accountability for Cryptocurrency in El Salvador Act on Friday. The legislation was previously introduced and passed out of committee last year. The legislation specifically mandates that the State Department produce a report spelling out the risks for cybersecurity, economic stability, and democratic governance. I think I read this now that you're reading it. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, and uh, it, as it pointed out, it has been uh, it, this has been brought up before. So yeah, you you do have a lot of these uh, political opponents. I mean, li- like I was saying earlier, they they had their uh, 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 their rating for credit uh, reduced by the Bank of International Settlements because oh no, it's too risky. Mm-hmm. You accept Bitcoin. Yeah. I mean, you're still using the world's reserve currency as your like as like ninety nine percent of your economy but no no this is too risky all right so to be clear uh some uh, united states uh, political people senators uh, have written some legislation that says we need to produce data and documentation on el salvador's usage of bitcoin mm-hmm. but no 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 it sounded to me like they wanted a report on why el salvador accepting bitcoin is bad right yeah, spelling out the risks for cybersecurity, economic stability, and democratic governance in El Salvador. Because, you know, El Salvador up until now has had this great democratic governance. Mm, no, I, nothing, I, you know, I, dictatorial or anything I wanna, at all. I want to address this right now because uh, that is very similar to what uh, RFK, the guy who's going to speak at Porkfest. Mm-hmm. Robert uh, Kennedy. Yeah, uh, he says that uh, cryptocurrency, Bitcoin specifically is an experiment in democracy. No, it isn't. Hmm. It is a fact. It is a mechanism of anarchy. Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Although, uh, weirdly enough, what they call democracy tends to be a lot more like anarchy than anything else. Uh, Democrats. Uh Oh. Well, and and to a large extent, uh, Americans. So, like, when they say liberty and democracy, they actually aren't talking about uh, the the tyranny of the majority, which is what democracy ultimately is. Right. Well, when when RFK said that, and I got to give him credit, you know, he's pandering to the Bitcoiners, and sure. you know, he probably sees it as a source of potential political donations, he right? Because he's going to be different from Biden on this particular point. So, whether he really means it or not, who knows? He's a politician. Uh, but that said, I think it's uh, what he's talking about is are important talking points to help bring people who are on the left 
on board with accepting the idea of Bitcoin. And I think it just depends on how who you're talking to, right? How you couch the message. And this is something that good libertarians know how to do. If you're talking to somebody on the right, you you know, you change the message a little bit to to try to appeal to them. If you're talking to somebody on the left, you do the same thing. So, people on the left, they like the idea of democracy, and there are a lot of examples of democratic decisions being made. They're not forceful democracy. It's not you don't have a gun to your head when it comes to cryptocurrency, sure. but if you join a centralized autonomous organization Mm -hmm. you are in many cases joining something that is democratically voting on doing various different things there are Mm -hmm. multiple votes in fact there's votes all the time in these uh bitcoin is an anarchic infrastructure right well so if you ask uh an american in general and especially a democrat what democracy is they're far more likely to come back with something like well it's the power of the people right yes some patriotic sounding right exactly well and no and no i mean very specifically it's like democratos like demo like the people kratos strength now what what it's what democracy is supposed to be is that the people have the power and not like uh, a wealthy group or a particular person but that the power is distributed now with with bitcoin with cryptocurrencies uh, usually the the power is very much distributed and and the yes. thing about uh, as like, it should be right exactly and so from that perspective to the individual not to the collective right well and, and the Bitcoin is very much a, an experiment in what happens when you actually empower the people instead of the, instead of those who are already corrupt. Oh, yeah, and certainly, in leadership. Bitcoin is people's money versus the dollar, which right. is government. Which is why, money. if you're talking right. to a Democrat and you want them to understand Bitcoin. You put it in the terms of empowering the people rather uh, than the individual, I, even though mm-hmm. we know that it's true that it's it one empowers of the, things, the individual. One of the things I don't like about politics is the gerrymandering of language, right? Not calling things what they are. But it's true. National it, parks but, are not national parks. They're government I get parks. what you're saying, mm-hmm. but this isn't some sort of um, – we're not, we're not putting in uh, obscurity here. It's true to say that cryptocurrency empowers the people the people mm-hmm. who choose to use cryptocurrency How does that make it democratic are empowered i didn't say it makes it democratic okay, i don't, so I don't the, agree with the that. quote is from, it, from rfk that bitcoin what, is an experiment in democracy well that is what they call that is what they uh, i'm just democracy, saying he's wrong that's all okay yeah sure i agree bitcoin uh, he may be wrong to, about but there are a lot of democratic aspects well, to cryptocurrency sure yes there are yeah. to call uh the people being the powerful democracy is inaccurate i agree but that's what he's talking about and the thing about communication is it it, it's its purpose is to communicate so if this is what communicates with them even though they're using the word wrong i mean it's still effective like it it absolutely gets my goat when people use the word literally incorrectly Mm. it literally gets your goat it figuratively gets my goat (laughs) but I get. I got to keep you on your hooves there. Yeah. Oh, thanks. But I, <laughs> wow. I get the idea that there are some people where that is simply going to be the most effective way is if you throw literally in, even if you're using it incorrectly. All right. So what else are so these anyway. senators planning on doing? Is that all? Is it just we want to report? We want you to write up uh, an essay, or well, it won't be an essay, it'll be thousands of pages or hundreds or whatever, on how terrible Bitcoin is and how it's empowering the evil 
government of El Salvador. <laughs> yeah, they want ammunition for their further oppression Terrorism, of all things. drug all dealing. Things you know, they're just to trot out the usual nonsense and claim that El Salvador is making these things worse, yep, right? That's, that's what exa- they want to do? Yep, that's exactly yeah. it. Okay. Yeah, that's the, the long and the short of it, uh, as they put it. Uh, using cryptocurrency as legal tender could weaken economic and financial stability and empower malign actors. <laughs> it, it can weaken the financial stability of the state yes that's what they mean but not yep. the people mm-hmm. that's right uh-huh that's the yeah. words between the lines that's there right. mm-hmm. yeah and i mean it's all a, a rush of uh, of propaganda oh giving u.s interest in prosperity and transparency in central america <laughs> yeah that's what the u.s that's is the interested in yeah. in you know, central when america somebody mentions the united states to me i think wow those guys are really interested in transparency particularly of foreign countries <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So we hogwash. Yeah. We need to be sure of how this is going to affect El Salvador. It's like, okay, that's impossible. You you can't know. Well, this how about is an El experiment. Salvador We're running gets, it now. Yeah. How about El Salvador gets to decide that yeah. for themselves? Yeah. Right. And what are they going to do? I mean, uh, I guess they could send the CIA in to try to take out Bukele or something like well, that. And, but. And, and, and so that's what's what this is really going to lead to is they're going to spend a whole bunch of American tax dollars trying to find ways to attack Naib Bukele and his decision to make Bitcoin legal tender. And whichever whichever way they find that they're like, oh, we can use this for the propaganda, then that's going to be the the way that they attack it. Speaking of uh, these types, I've actually got a video that I think ties in here. This is of a U.S. representative named Brad Sherman, where he ties Bitcoin in with uh, Bitcoin mining or whatever in with cocaine production, uh, drug dealing, organ harvesting. So this is, you know, the propaganda against cryptocurrency continues here. This is him being interviewed on uh, looks like CNBC. There's this fear of missing out that we've got to keep up with other countries. You know, Peru is way ahead of us in cocaine production. Uh, China's way ahead of us in organ uh, uh, harvesting. We don't need to keep up on those things. and We don't need to keep up on crypto. So this is him explaining why it's OK to crack down on the cryptocurrency industry, because he likens cryptocurrency to other dangerous things like <gasps> cocaine production. Well, and if you think about it, he's right. Because cocaine production is all run by U.S. dollars. Cocaine is purchased with U.S. dollars throughout the world. Those organs that they harvest and sell on the black market throughout the world. You know what they're most likely to pay for those with? U.S. dollars. <laughs> right. How does that make him right? Oh, because you don't need to keep up with those countries because you're way ahead of them. You're the one fueling all of those activities today. Every bad thing that politicians... And notice, it's only the politicians who are saying bad things about cryptocurrency, by the way. For the most part, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, right. People who don't understand it. But, okay. Yeah. but they're, And if they don't understand it, then they're just regurgitating whatever they heard on TV. Right. Uh, likely from like the politicians. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I had a point and I lost it. People regurgitating politicians. People regurgitating politicians. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> All right, here's some more of this guy regurgitating. As for protecting U.S. investors, investors know, and they certainly know now, that when you send your money to the Bahamas or Cayman Islands, you do not have protection. You could lose it all. And oh, uh, God. The, uh, Wait a minute. 
Are you telling me that if I invest in something, I could lose it all? Huh? <laughs> you you uh, mean there's risk? I, I remember what in my point was. In order to get a reward? Huh. My, my point was every bad thing that the politicians say about cryptocurrency is true at least tenfold of the U.S. dollar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, one of the things that they're like, oh, well, you're just, you're getting around our sanctions on Russia. It's like, okay, you think no one's getting around your sanctions using dollars? <laughs> Do you really think that's not happening? All the uh, all the shady backroom favoritism that occurs in politics, you think that's done using cryptocurrency? No. Yeah. No. Yeah, you've had sanctions against Iran for how long? You think no one's using dollars with the Iranian government? Is all that of the, really what you think? All of the murder that the empire creates uh, funded by U.S. dollars, that's right. Uh, the idea that uh, we should tell investors that something's licensed in the United States when it's not only as dangerous for the investors as crypto is, but as harmful to our country as crypto tries to be. Hmm. Harmful wow. to our country. Yeah, because I was sitting down with Bitcoin the other day and it was saying, Captain, I'm really trying to harm the United States. <laughs> you know, it's just it's such a tough road to hoe. I don't know how I can be more harmful than I currently am. Now, this is one of those areas where, you know, with the words that are being used are actually obscuring what he's really saying, meaning that when he says harmful to our country, he doesn't mean that Bitcoin is harming the the land. He doesn't mean that the Bitcoin is harming the forests. He doesn't mean the Bitcoin is harming the people even. Country means the state. Yes. And Bitcoin and cryptocurrency is absolutely a threat to the power of the state. So when people like this talk about the public or the country, that's what they mean. Well, and it doesn't even have to harm the empire, except that they absolutely refuse to get with it. Because here's the thing. If they wanted to, there are ways that you could maintain the U.S. dollar, maybe not as the savings mechanism of the world, but still as the effective currency of the planet. But you would have to give up some of your power in order to do that. And they're unwilling to do that. So if you want to talk about how cryptocurrency is harming the United States, well, it's because the new technology is leaving And Mm -hmm. the reason the new technology is leaving the country is because you refuse to say, here is what's allowed. Right. Nothing is allowed. Everything is being prosecuted in a completely unpredictable way. So it's just going everywhere else in the world. But that's not crypto's fault. That's this man's fault. Right. People like him who are continuing. That's what he's justifying here. He's justifying the continuing crackdown by the SEC, the CFTC, the FBI, and you name it. Um. I don't, I, I don't see a reason to, uh, to, to do that. Okay, but there still is within the subcommittee that you sit on an effort to set some kind of guardrails, regulatory boundaries here. I know that there will be a hearing tomorrow with the digital asset subcommittees of both the Financial Services Committee as well as the Agriculture Committee in the House. Really what that comes down to is SEC versus CFTC jurisdiction. I know where you come down on that. You'd like to see more control with the SEC, but I thought we were all agreed that Bitcoin isn't a security. No one is convinced of that. Yeah, I think the vast Gary majority. Gary has said uh, that. Gary has uh, said that the vast majority of tokens are securities, and if the industry wants, uh, assure, you know, if they want to know what the rules are, fine. All they have to do is come to Congress and say, "Please make us a security," and uh, we will do that. Oh, gee, Instead- it's it, it, 
If only there was someone who was, like, not suing you for exactly that. Like, seriously, the SEC is currently being sued by Coinbase because of their absolute refusal to provide any clarity whatsoever. You are literally in a lawsuit right now because what you're telling is a lie. Oh, no, no, you just have to come to Congress and just talk to them, and then they'll go ahead and and, and carve this out. What? Let Congress decide what your invention is? Like, cryptocurrency is a whole bunch of things, and government representatives do not understand the full breadth of what cryptocurrency is. And I think it's freaking hilarious that they are putting together committees and subcommittees Mm -hmm. and teams of politicians and regulatory commissions and all this kind of to try and like uh, well we think it and we uh, they don't know they They have no freaking clue and And they have no business deciding government does not decide what things are things decide what things are people decide what things are and how to use them congress should have nothing to say about it period said sam bankman fried was here uh, doing a host of illegal things for one purpose, and that was to keep the SEC out of crypto. We should not uh, <laughs> trash Sam Bankman-Fried on the one hand and then pass his bill on the other hand. Wow. You say what? that they should come to Congress to set the rules here, but that has proven quite difficult to do, Congressman. Are you optimistic that we will actually see legislation make its way through your committee and then through uh, its counterpart in the Senate as well? What would that be? We hear often it's stable coins that are the lowest hanging fruit. Never going to happen. I'm optimistic that if this industry wants real regulation, they can get it. Uh, but they don't. And uh, they will do everything possible, including everything Sam Bankman fried was doing to stop us from having real regulation of crypto and to prevent the know your customer and anti-money laundering statutes from being a they have bent over backwards trying to get regulated in any kind of consistent way and it it has failed so spectacularly i mean you are you are calling a stable coin a security a security requires that that you have to try and make it worth more than it is now a stable coin requires that you try (laughs) to make it worth exactly what it is worth now yeah, and he's claiming that the the industry, the crypto industry, is somehow stopping them, yeah. Congress, yeah. from passing what a, laws. What a yeah. powerful industry! Right? Right? Wow! Right? And, oh, no one, no one believes that Bitcoin is a commodity. Really, Gensler does. Uh, the guy who ran the SEC before him decided that it was the uh, CFTC yeah. does. Right, the CFTC it does. It can't be regulated because it is all of the things. Oh, it's wait. a currency, it's a commodity, it's, it's a free security. speech. It's free speech. That's what not enough people talk about. Yeah, you can't regulate it. It is speech plus mathematics. Yep. That's it. And we're using it to get out of debt. All right. Uh, more coming up in a half an hour at watch.freetalklive.com. Check these guys out on Beard Talk Live, 1030 Eastern at watch.freetalklive.com. Otherwise, we'll see you tomorrow night at freetalklive.com. In the meantime. If you want to move to the free state and you're looking for some real estate, well, I know a guy who's really great. It's the Realtor Mark Warden. Now you can learn more about the awesome things happening here in New Hampshire in our march toward liberty in our lifetime. Our friends at Porcupine Real Estate are hosting a series of webinars to educate you on the expanded freedoms enjoyed by New Hampshire citizens. Reserve your seat today at move.freetalklive.com. 
Topics include gun freedom, medical freedom, and political freedom victories. They also have a couple on best practices for moving to the free state and finding housing. These webinars are super helpful and free to attend once you've registered at move.freetalklive.com. Visit their YouTube channel, Porcupine Real Estate, for videos from past presentations and sign up for upcoming webinars for free at move.freetalklive.com. Porcupine Real Estate.com